following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts of Extraordinary Character, Chris Holmes and Stefan Dragonspawn. How are we doing, fellas? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing extraordinarily well right and now. That. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's been. I had a, I had a pretty fun time DMing, DMing, dungeon mastering Saturday night. Killed a six level wizard with some yellow mold, baby. So that was pretty damn fun. Well done there, Drew. Well done. Thanks for tripping that trap. Anyways, yeah, that's that's been good. And of course, cooked the briskets yesterday. Finishing them up today. What's <laughs> up, Stefan? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, too. Last week, I uh, had my session zero for my face-to-face uh, Genesis game, where I'm introducing some new players to Narrative Dice. So we did a little character creation, went over the the rule system a little bit, the symbols, and uh, did a, little, a really brief scenario just to work out how the dice pooling and damage and combat works. Cool, dude. And they're, and they're stoked for it. So. Oh, that's good. Yep. So, I just had one player. Just yeah. had one player. Sorry, I couldn't make it, so his character will have to be introduced later. So we'll have a session t- zero point five. <laughs> Excellent. How about you, Tony? I've been pretty good, working, working, working. In my twelve point six seconds of free time a day, I've been writing my uh, <laughs> uh, Con on the Cob adventures and getting oh, those. I finally yeah. finished up all the pre-gen character work and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So now it's just a matter of picking out the right minis and maps and mm. all the toys. So, yeah, Here that'll happen probably Coolness. the day before the con. <laughs> of course. <laughs> find, find me the right dolls to, work, to, to play with. Right. That's right. <laughs> so we have a very special show today. What are we doing today? Yes, show? we do. Well, we're doing a first for us. Now, this is, uh, we, we, we kind of, when we started the show, we, we kind of had this we don't want to interview the industry guys kind of feel because everybody interviews the industry guys and and they always just answer the question with i can't talk about that so (laughs) but then uh a few weeks ago uh fantasy flight came out with the genesis foundry and we found our way to talk to people so what we're going to do we're starting off with our first one tonight, we're starting a new show segment, and it's going to be a new show format that we're trying out. What we'd like you listeners to do is give us as much feedback as you can on this. If you would like more of these, there will be more coming. If you think this is dumb, tell Stefan, not me. I don't care. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and tell him on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> I'll, I'll be very polite and say I'm sorry. Really, I'm sorry. Sorry, eh? Or sorry. <laughs> we are going to 
step on over into our new show segment called The People of Genesis. Welcome to the people of Genesis. Oh, oh wait a second. I'm, I'm not going to be singing. You can't. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> so yeah, this is like Tony said, we're going to um, introduce somebody here from the industry, get to know them, BS around with them, bullshit around with them a little bit. And uh, we have Keith Kappel on. How you hey, doing, hey. man? Welcome. Uh, thanks, guys. I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to uh, trailblaze a new segment for you guys. No pressure. Right, like uh, no, none, uh, none whatsoever. Yeah, you're, you're popping if our people charity. don't like it, I feel like it's it's a judgment against me as a person. <laughs> when I when That's I try right. not to cry myself to sleep if it doesn't work out. That's right. We'll, we'll make sure totally you blame Keith. <laughs> post it on Facebook and everywhere, and tweet it, Stefan. Yep. All right. So, so, why did we bring Keith up? Well, first of all, Keith has numerous works out there. He's done numerous contributions on more than a dozen products in the Star Wars L5R RPGs from FFG. He's the co-founder and guest student of Adventure Writers Academy, uh, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. His uh, Genesis credits include portions of Shadow of the Beanstalk. Um, Which portions? NPCs, wasn't it? I did uh, all the adversaries. There was also some sort of like adventure builder in the back with oh, like an that was Act One, Act Two, Act Three sort of adventure builder product. So uh, that was a, a Sam Stewart concept, but he had me write it and realize it. I think I just did those two parts. Nice, cool. And cool. also, you've uh, recently been working on Keyforge and the Expanded Players Guide. Yeah, the, the two new announcements. Yeah. They've announced some of what I did, I want to say, on the player's guide. They mentioned uh, a bunch of vehicle stuff. Oh, cool. Uh, they mentioned a bunch of new adversary stuff. I think they, they mentioned uh, uh, some sort of like uh, uh, challenge rating system or something like that. Uh, oh, really? So, hmm. Yeah, I think they did in an article. If not, like I'm in big trouble. But uh, uh, <laughs> That's right. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll all assume. No one listens to this. Anyway. The, the ten people that listen Anyone. to this, pfft, don't. Worry about it. <laughs> no, I'm I'm uh, I'm like ninety eight percent sure they mentioned uh, something about it. I did some work on that as well. I want to say so. Cool. Yeah, that's a real exciting one to have coming out. And then Keyforge was really fun to work on too. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. Although it wasn't the setting book that I thought we were going to get, I was very 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 strongly thinking we were getting Dan Hauser. Uh, it is definitely one I will. I will play the heck out of. Yeah, I'm I mean, a big Keyforge fan, so I obviously don't have much in the way of, uh, excuse me, insight into like why they pick which setting over another. Mm-hmm. But they just sort of say, "Hey, want to work on a setting?" And I say yes or no. But uh, I think the <laughs> the great appeal of Keyforge as a setting is that it's like it's a kitchen sink setting, right? Like Rifts or Gamma World or something like that. But yeah. that means that it's sort of like six, eight, ten, twenty settings in one book. So it's really great for, I think, anybody running a Genesis game because there, there will be one of those factions from the card game will be like, well, that's sort of like what I'm doing. And there'll be something to steal from it, even if you're not necessarily interested in playing in Keyforge specifically. 
You'll have some high-tech stuff, some more magic stuff. Right. The aliens with the, the Martian and the elven subterfuge. Or I've, I've played yes. a bit of too, which is kind of cool. I mean, right. and sure. it's popular, so why not strike well? You know, that's right. right. Steph that's and that I are good. planning on going head-to-head at Con on the Cob this year. I mean, so yeah, we're bringing our decks, and you know, <laughs> I was down. I I, I ended. I was down at um, uh, the FFG Gaming Center, and they have a freaking vending machine. With filled the Keyforge decks, I think they brought to uh, <laughs> to Gen clever. Con. It's like a one and one of a kind thing, and I'm like, wow, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. That's totally how you sell Keyforge in Japan, right there. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know it. And then one uh, more one more line item here yeah. that we're going to be mainly talking about tonight, and that's his um, Ready Fight, an unarmed combat supplement from High Metric Games, and which is on uh, Drive Through RPG and the Foundry. So, yes. plenty to talk about tonight. It's my but, baby. But first, something we need to know first before we go any further. What did you cut your uh, RPG baby teeth on? What did you first? Uh, as a so as a player, it was totally uh, Robotech and Rifts from Palladium. Ooh, uh, oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, th- those were. Uh, it was Robotech first, and then I think we found Rifts. Because there were uh, uh, three mostly naked women on on the cover at the time, <laughs> yeah, uh, and we were like thirteen, right. me and my me and my two buddies uh, when we were like twelve, thirteen. So we played Robotech because we already loved. We were going through our little anime phase, such as it existed in like nineteen ninety one, and uh, uh, we found out there was a Robotech game. We we're like, well, we got to play that. That sounds awesome, <laughs> uh, and we loved it right away. Even though I doubt we were playing right. And I still don't think I could understand or explain well how uh, skill checks work in that Palladium classic system. I, I ran it as well for some friends of mine. That was my first foray into the Palladium system. I mean, Robotech and played a lot right. of it. And then eventually Rifts came out. And you know. How can you not jump on Rifts, man? It's I so was, fun. I was yeah. at the Gen Con where Symbita released Rifts that year. Wow. I was at that Gen crazy. Con. And Got my copy of Rifts signed. I still have it somewhere around That's here. That's amazing. I got mm-hmm. to meet him like two years ago, two Gen Cons ago maybe. When I was 14, I had uh, called Palladium offices and interviewed him for like a school project. And nice. like he, he took the call. I was on the phone with him for like an hour and a half at like 14. It was great. And, you know, I, I met him like two years ago. I talked to him. I was like, yeah, I work in the industry now and everything. He's like, oh, yeah, I totally remember that call. I doubt he did, but he was very nice to make me think he did. <laughs> He's always been a very nice guy. He, he, I, I ran to the Palladium booths over the years at Gen Con. Yeah, he was one of those people you could always just walk up and talk to. And and then, you know, being an industry guy, he was always willing to talk to people like, you know, yourself and myself that that love to write. I, and, and at the time, I was like, I'm going to be a journalist, you know. And, and uh, but uh, I he, I met him a couple years ago at a convention up here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, called Grand Con. Uh, same thing. Uh, ran into him, and he remembers me and my group all fawning over him. So he said <laughs> that first year that Rifts came out, there was like eight of us, and we were all just there like a bunch of teenage girls, just like sign my copy. Uh! <laughs> That's great. I met, I met up with Kevin Sabita as well, and Kevin Long, who was his main oh, artist. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, at the time, some friends of us were making a. Uh, a fanzine called Protoculture Addicts. Oh, nice. So we went actually to Detroit to his place and talked to him and stuff. And 
was kind of yeah, cool. You know, the rights for Robotech now are all crazy, right? Like everything. Yeah. Yeah, really now you've got a Savage Rules version. There's an its own version on Drive Through RPG that I saw right. as well. I uh, heard about that too. And, yeah, and still, of course, if you can find the uh, the original uh, Palladium stuff. But eventually, yeah, I just got tired of Palladium. Oh, the mechanics were a bit too much for me. So. But the books were gorgeous, especially for <laughs> yeah. the day when when black and white line art was mostly the best you were going to get. Oh, the yeah. books looked really great, and uh, um, and I love just the design, which had less to do with Palladium and more to do with the Robotech mm-hmm. setting. But Kevin Long had a great uh, illustration of uh, a couple of those uh-huh. Samas uh, Oh, yeah, from suits. Riff, too. All just the floating Riff. over the, uh, the the ground. <laughs> and they had, like, the insert of the high-gloss pages with, like, the painted art mm-hmm. in the original Riffs book, where, yeah. like, no other books were really doing that at the time. And it was just like, wow, look at all this awesome stuff. Of course, now that's, like, the bare minimum standard for RPG art, right? Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Uh, but like for for back then, and when you're 13, 14, it was like the most amazing thing you'd ever seen. So like as a player, that's where I started. Uh, and then obviously my first product uh, writing as a professional was uh, Sons of Fortune for Edge of the Empire uh, for FFG. Oh, cool. that, that was my very first job. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Stefan, you want to take the next question? Sure. Let's see. So then... What or who inspired you to begin writing freelance, and why? <laughs> so uh, um, I want to say I've told this story before uh, elsewhere, but uh, uh, if you guys haven't heard it or your listeners haven't, uh, I'm a writer because I broke my leg uh, playing paintball. That's that's how I ended up here somehow. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I was a full-time bartender. I was like 26, 27 years old. I'd served in the military uh, prior to that uh the United States Navy, and uh, um, I my bar used to play a different bar all the time, uh, paintball matches. So uh, we were out there. It was the first match of the day. I was running one way. I was shooting a different way. I was running as fast as I could. My foot caught in a tree branch, uh, twisted around while the rest of me kept going forward. It just broke the hell out of my leg. Ouch. And uh, uh, the thing about bartending is that there isn't really, like, sick pay. There isn't really, like... Uh, hmm. uh, uh, any sort of health care like they're you're kind of nope. just on your own mm-hmm. and also like they're not going to hold your shift for you while you recover for three or six months or whatever mm-hmm. so i was basically out of a job and didn't know how i was going to pay rent uh mm-hmm. the one thing i was doing for fun at the time was uh, a fan website called fandomcomics.com where we did uh star wars d20 fan rpg content fan fiction mm-hmm. and fan comic books uh which was like our big draw right uh, so that was the thing I was doing for fun. So I was, I had no skills. I was able to find artist friends. I was able to find website friends, but like there was a lot of other work to do that was just going to fall to me because I didn't have any of the hard things that I knew how to do. Right. I didn't know how to build a website and I didn't know how to draw. So that left all the writing to me, which we just figured any idiot could do it. So, uh, um, I had been writing for this site from like probably only two or three years at that point and was very confused why George Lucas hadn't personally shown up at my house and offered me work. <laughs> uh, but now I was, I was at home with a broken leg. I kind of enjoyed doing the writing for this website and, and I didn't know how I was going to pay rent. So the only option left to me really was to go to college uh, because my GI bill would pay me cash enough to pay rent. I was living pretty cheaply at the time. Uh, uh, so they would pay rent while I went to college 
I'm like, I'm just here for fun. As soon as my legs fixed up or whatever, I'll go back to bartending full time, catch on somewhere else and, uh, and it'll be fine. But, uh, uh, so I decided to go to Columbia College, Chicago, downtown Chicago, for the writing program because I'm like, hey, I'll get better at my hobby and get paid to do it while I'm here, and uh, uh, and then you know I'll go back to bartending and everything will be fine. I went to the program. I was really intimidated by all these 19 year olds. I'm like 29 or 30 at this point, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I'm real intimidated by all these 19 year olds who I assume have known they wanted to be a writer since they were like four years old. And this just sort of occurred to me a few months ago. Uh, is something fun to do, right? So I thought I was going to kind of be a joke in all these classes. But it turned out I, I had uh, 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 an ear for, for writing a little bit, and uh, I was able to outwork a lot of 19-year-olds because, you know, 19-year-olds tend to be idiots. I was a 19-year-old idiot, and I had forgotten that, like, oh, yeah, they're dumb, and they don't have to do anything. <laughs> so I outworked, of experience. I outworked a lot of them. I did good at what I was doing, and uh, – one of the things I was doing for Phantom Comics is going to those celebrations, Star Wars celebration conventions. So I go to all these, and uh, uh, if you're there, like the writers that work on the official stuff are pretty accessible, uh, like Kevin Sambita at Gen Con, right? But even more so, because a lot of them are just like wandering the floor, checking out everything themselves, you know? And maybe they have a panel or something later. So uh, one of the guys that I struck up sort of a, uh, I hesitate to say friendship, but. Uh, uh, like I followed him around like a creepy weirdo was uh, uh, <laughs> Sterling Hershey. Sterling Hershey, who's worked on all kinds yeah. of stuff for uh, all versions of the Star Wars RPG and Genesis and all sorts of stuff. So uh, I'd been following him around and for like two celebrations prior to this. So we kind of knew each other and he knew what I was doing with Phantom Comics. And he sort of uh, told me, like, I think the 2012 uh, celebration in Orlando, he's like, hey, uh, you know, Fantasy Flight Games has the license now. It had just moved from Watsi to FFG. So, like the announcement had just come out, and not much more than that. He's like, you know, it just moved over, and they're going to do an open call for writers uh, uh, in like a few weeks. And I'm like, oh, sweet! I graduate from college in a few weeks in fiction writing. He's like, yeah, you and Ryan. Ryan's one of the guys who worked on uh, Phantom Comics with me. He's like, you guys should totally enter the open call and, and see what's up. And I could hear like the subtext of, and then leave me the fuck alone. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but Sterling is you like the nicest bastard. guy on the planet. He would never actually say that, but like I felt it. But, uh, uh, so I was like, oh man, that's awesome. Sweet. So, uh, uh, only because of Sterling Hershey that was, I made really aware of this open call. Me and Ryan both, uh, uh, submitted our, our, uh, samples. I wrote like a Rancor monster in old Warhammer fantasy rules. And Ryan did, I think, like the Nexu from episode two. And uh, um, then I didn't hear anything for a year and a half and forgot about it and started looking for work bartending. Uh, but a year and a half later, I got an email from Sam Stewart. And he's like, hey, do you still want to work on uh, Star Wars books? And I was like, hell yeah. Uh, and that was the Sons of Fortune job. So that's that's how that happened. It's a long story. Sorry. No, no dude, that's, that's great. That's, that's mm-hmm. the kind of story we like to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, Speaking of people around the way here, I'd like to skip uh, skip a question here and go into uh, from Darren West, one of our listeners, all, aka Darth Zorg. Uh, he uh, he asked us to ask you about the four F's of writing. Sure, uh, that's that's Darren being cheeky. I think so. Darren West, full disclosure, <laughs> is one of my students at the Adventure Writing Academy. Uh, and a good friend that I've known from the, the Gamer Nation conventions and such for, for years now, and a talented writer in his own right. 
But uh, the four Fs are something that uh, – it's actually a system I used to write cover letters, which is something you do a lot as, as a writer when you're out looking for work and such. Uh, but, you know, people do it in business all the time and stuff too, right? Looking for work, there's going to be a cover letter on it. Nowadays, I think it gets posted into the text of the email rather than being like its own document. But uh, but whatever. The four Fs are how I write cover letters. And basically, they're, they're four questions – and each question gets a paragraph, and obviously it all has to fit on one page. So it's just, uh, uh, who the fuck are you? Or no, it's not. It's what the fuck is this? Who the fuck are you? Uh, uh, how the fuck are you qualified? And why the fuck would you want to work here? So those are the four Fs. <laughs> that's awesome. That's and, that's, and that's how I write a cover letter. And that's how I teach my students that the, the same way. And uh, uh, the mm-hmm. AWA students. And uh, Darren himself, though, actually uses it like a slightly modified version of it to uh, uh, to question a lot of his writing, uh, and it helps him like improve in the revision process. It's a really clever way of perverting what I my like little joke for cover letter writing. But uh, uh, yeah, those are the four Fs. So that you can learn all that and more at Adventure Writing Academy, kids. <laughs> awesome. Good. Nope. The three R's, now you got the four Fs. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of the Adventure Writing Academy, we've got a couple questions about that from uh, Chris's own daughter. Chris, you want to read those? Yes. Alexi, so proud of her. Love her to death. We went and saw a movie last night, and um, interesting experience. But that's another story, another time. Mm -hmm. So um, she's really excited about learning more about, about what you guys are doing there in the AWA. And her first question is, what would you say is your biggest piece of advice to someone just starting out? Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, the number one thing is read a lot and write a lot. And I mean, that's, you have to be doing that at a minimum and that never stops. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get to stop reading because I've like, quote unquote, made it or something like that. Like, first of all, RPG writing tends to be like the entry level position of professional writing, <laughs> at least in the nerd world. Like the bar for entry is a little lower than it is for novelists or short story writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, so I still have to read a lot. I still have to write, uh, as close to every day as I can manage. Nobody actually writes every day. If they say it, they're lying, but you should try. Uh, so I would say that's number one. The second thing is find someone, uh, close to your level, but that has, uh, uh, similar aspirations to you and make them a writing partner. I'm a big part of the reason I'm the writer I am today is because I had my buddy Ryan Brooks from fandom comics from 2005 till maybe 2015, uh, it's like a 10-year period. Me and him read everything the other wrote. We criticized it ruthlessly uh, uh, and helped each other get better. And you know, they say iron sharp sharpens iron, right? Like you need mm-hmm. you need someone else to help you grow. It's hard to do it by yourself. It's hard uh, having a mentor, somebody a little ahead of you, is great. But honestly, having someone who's also hungry for the same goals you are and that's at about the same level of competency mm-hmm. you are, they're going to have different strengths. But, you know, just like but you get you're feed both off on of each other. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep each cool. other motivated. You keep each yeah. other honest. So mm-hmm. I would say having a partner early on, uh, uh, not necessarily somebody you're collaborating with to write stuff together, although that's fun, too. But uh, uh, someone who could read your stuff and someone whose stuff you will read, you will both learn so much from that process. Uh, uh, that I can't, I can't uh, uh, understate how important that was for me. Anyway, uh, and then, 
Uh, oh, and then the the other piece of advice I have is finish. Uh, don't just start uh, a story every week and never finish it. Uh, uh, get to the end, and then when you get to the end, go start all over and try to improve it and revise it and edit it and make it as best as you know how. Uh, the 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 RPG metaphor I use for writing is that uh, you don't get your XP until after the thing is completely done. Mm-hmm. You don't get any XP for starting, okay. so uh, uh, you get XP for finishing. And then every once in a while, after a few things, something's going to click in your brain, and uh, uh, and you're going to level up and and get better nice. and, and start stop making the same mistakes you've <laughs> noticed in a bunch of other things. You'll you'll notice you get better. Uh, so those would be some of the, the the big major things, especially early on, that, that I would recommend for her. Cool. You guys want to round robin it? Somebody want to yeah, take sure. the next one? Yeah. Um, I'll go with the next one. Uh, in general, do you think putting yourself in a writing routine is beneficial, such as writing for an hour every day at the same time, etc.? Yeah, there's people who do that. I think they're all serial killers. But uh, uh, <laughs> like, I just I don't I haven't met a writer that organized. I'll be honest with you. But uh, uh, <laughs> I wish I wish I could be in uh, uh, one of those guys who's like, well, I'm going to sit down today and I'm going to write for exactly. 47 and a half minutes and then I have dinner and then I'm going to, you know, wash my hands for 30 seconds and then take a shower. Like, I don't know anyone who budgets their day like that well and, and in this business. I'm sure they exist and I just don't know them, but that's not advice I could give. Uh, I think you got to go with, I, th- I think obviously having a routine helps with anything. I compare writing a lot to exercise, which looking at me, you could tell I'm not so great at being diligent about either. But, uh, uh, I, comp- I, I think they're very similar in that it takes discipline. It takes, uh, for exercise, I always say what it really takes is getting out my front door with exercise clothes on. Uh, for writing, it takes sitting down at the desk, having the thing open, having Facebook minimized, and being at the desk, doing the work. Once I start actually typing, like writing is easy once I start doing the work. Uh, but carving out the time and actually sitting my ass in the chair and doing the work is is the part that is inconsistent and hard to do. Now, I've been doing this a long time um, at this point, uh, since 05 at least, right? Uh, so I'm fortunate in that uh, my college education has taught me how to produce words on demand. I could sit down and just start writing when it's time to write. I don't have to wait for like a muse to come from afar to like spark my imagination and let me write. I could just sit down and go. Uh, that That's yeah. something that... Uh, uh, Anybody could learn how to do, but it takes a lot of time and practice to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say in that regard, not having a routine helps, right? Uh, but in my college experience, they would bring us into class. We'd go through class, and then uh, uh, we had you know, the classes were four hours long for one writing class. Uh, so you'd be in there. You'd be reading work aloud. You'd be talking about writing. You'd be noticing things that writers do and having discussion. And then all of a sudden, the teacher would be like, all right, all right. Take out your notebooks and your pencils and whatever and take a place, you know, and that just means like in your mind's eye, imagine there's a place. And, you know, they take us through this like 10 minute guided meditation of imagining this place and filling it with characters and saying something is happening there and getting you in the zone. And then they'd be like, all right, start writing, like go. And uh, you'd have to like produce on demand. And then after like 10 or 15 minutes, everybody's going to read what they just wrote to like a whole classroom full of people. Uh, so there's, there's no like, Oh, I didn't, nothing came to me. I don't know. Like you couldn't do that. that, that was, you just, you had to nice. come up with something like something had to 
and and it does. They like in the the years. Sorry, my door buzzer just went off. But in the years I, I went to school there, there was never a time where uh, uh, somebody didn't come up with something. It just like didn't happen. So literally anyone can learn to produce on demand. I think a lot of it is just uh, uh, there has to be enough uh, pressure to shut up the internal editor that's telling you what you're thinking of writing isn't good enough. Uh, and usually a deadline is what will do that, right? Um my normal writing day will be like 500 to 1500 words. That's like a normal day for me in like real person terms. That's like single spaced one to three pages. That's that, that's like a day's work for me. Uh, uh, okay. but that said, uh, I've had days right up against the deadline where I've produced 9,000 words in a single day, uh, Ooh. which is, uh, which is like 18 oh, wow. pages wow. In, in one sitting. So, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. Mm-hmm. That's because, when you really need to do something, all the other little voices that are saying, no, you could do better, or no, that's not good enough, they shut up, and you just produce because you have to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know if that quite answers the question, but basically a routine's great if you could stick to it, but also just being able to sit down and get it in. I know a lot of people are busy. Not everybody like me has their whole like life built around this where I can write mm-hmm. I could have like a, a 12 hour day, seven days a week to just sit here and write. I know a lot of people, a lot of my students who have real jobs have to like find a half an hour here or an hour there. It's really going to depend on you and your life, where this ranks and, and, uh, what's important to you and, and, uh, and how hard it is for you to find like a little bit of quiet time alone to do it. Gotcha. Cool. Stefan. Right. Cool. Yep. All right, thank you for that. Um, next question is, how does someone know when they're finally found their writing site, when they finally found their writing style? Sure. So uh, in AWA, what we call writing style, we refer to it as voice. Uh, and that's sort of like the unique fingerprint that lets people know that this is you writing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I would say that uh, you never really know when you found your voice. And your voice isn't also just one thing. Uh, J.K. Rowling, who did the Harry Potter books, uh, those books are written in a very specific way. There's a very specific Harry Potter voice, mm. uh, right, that, that a lot of people could probably recognize. The Hobbit uh, uh, has a very, very specific voice that a lot of people could recognize. Mm-hmm. And in parody and mimic and imitate, right? Uh, uh, but J.K. Rowling has written other things that sound nothing like uh, Harry Potter. She wrote a, a detective book, a noir detective book that sounds nothing like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So uh, voice can change. Uh, professionals, professionals learn to sort of uh, warp and, and alter their voice to fit certain projects. As an RPG writer, I have to work on a lot of books where I'm working with eight or nine other authors. Uh, and all of our voices have to kind of sound the same mm-hmm. as if one person had written the book, right? Uh, uh, and some of that's up to our editor to make sure that they smooth out any weird uh, idiosyncrasies between how I write and how Jason Marker writes or Sterling writes. Uh, but some of it is just that, like, we all have read a bunch of RPGs and we know what RPGs like sound like, you know what I mean? So, so we're able to sort of adopt that voice. Now I have fiction work where it sounds very different. Uh, uh, some original fiction stuff, some public, I have, I have, uh, military fiction stuff that sounds very different from my fantasy fiction stuff. And, uh, uh, and there might be some like little commonalities people could pick out on because it is all coming from the same, uh, brain right but uh uh but i wouldn't i wouldn't uh pigeonhole yourself into thinking you only have one writing style in you 
I, I think uh, uh, humans are complicated and different projects are going to have different sort of requirements for what things need to sound like. And it's okay to experiment with that. And uh, uh, what you will find is like what your current professional range is, right? Like what your wheelhouse is. Like, oh, I could do sort of this horror noir stuff really well, but if I'm trying to write love scenes and stuff, I, I get tripped up. I don't know, just as a weird example. So you'll, you'll sort of find like what you're good at and what you're not. But the only way you find it is by trying it all, right? So uh, gotcha. I, I'd say stick with what interests you the most and uh, uh, and don't, but also don't limit yourself and sometimes try something unexpected because you might learn something from it. Cool, cool. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine these next two questions kind of together. Dude, you are my brother from another mother. I swear, I was just I thinking that same thing. So, um, so actually, so Lexi wants to know about world building. And she has sure. an interesting spin on this. Do you start off with a character and build the world around it? Or is building a world more important than the character? How do you go about doing your world building, per se? Or, sure. Yeah. So, so I've done it both ways. Uh, uh, for different projects. And, and I think the answer is uh, the project is going to kind of tell you what needs to come first more often than that. There's, in writing, it's art, man. So there, there is no one-size-fits-all answer. I wish I could just tell you, well, you just do one, then two, then three, and you're good. Uh, but like almost nothing is that simple, unfortunately, <laughs> in this field. Uh, uh, so, uh, for instance, I have... I'm hopefully going to do a Genesis product about this one day. But I have... a. Uh, uh, a uh, short story collection that used to be up on my Patreon called uh, uh, "The Wearlings of Blackwater Castle." It's about uh, mother, a mother-daughter like Viking knight team that ride around on flying owl bears, uh, killing werewolves and like other were creatures. It's awesome and great fun. Well, can't wait for that to come out. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's something. I, it's on like the back burner of like this would be fun to do as a Genesis setting. Because I already have like some maps and like all this other stuff. I have like three short stories in the series, but uh, it also makes advantageous threat. <laughs> it also make a, a good home, right? Like mm-hmm. the foundry is probably a good home for like this setting to exist then. But anyway, cool. so for that, the characters definitely came first. Oh, okay. And as I as I learned that specific short story, like the world started appearing around them based on what I needed to happen in the story. So it's like, well, I need X to happen, so the world needs to be this way, so that happens. So it's almost uh, kind of a sandbox, if you will. Like role-playing terms, right? Sandboxing it, kind of. Yeah, I, well, the opposite, I would say, because that was that one was so character focused. But then something okay. like uh, Ready Fight is all world building first, right? Uh, hmm. It's like the four different settings I introduced. There's not a lot of character there. It's mostly setting hmm. with just enough character to uh, give a personality to the settings, right? Like Rumble City has a few people that get mentioned the wrestling heroes federation or whatever mm-hmm. i call it that that has some character uh, uh going on there uh even the the Long emperor in the kung fu setting so uh but in those definitely like the idea of the setting came first and how do i create a sandbox as you said to sort of uh uh make it possible for people to do a lot of the things that they they want to do in a kung fu setting or in a wrestling setting or you know whatever it may be so I, I've seen it work both ways. The project's probably going to determine what you do first. And also the other trick is that uh, no one has to know which one you did first. So you could just nice. work on whichever one is interesting to you first. And uh, uh, that's whatever is more fun to you is usually the answer of what to do first. And uh, uh, do that. 
And then when you start running into walls or don't know what else to do, switch to the other one and then go back. Go back and forth until you have both kind of well-developed and then go back again and change anything that doesn't work anymore. And no one's going to know because the only person who sees it is you until you show it to someone else. So, Cool. Cool. Appreciate that. That's good. Good information, everybody. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not going to pronounce this guy's name. No, not so much. Go ahead, Tony. <laughs> No, I, I was asking. I, I actually would like you to uh, uh, thank your daughter for those questions. Uh, those were great questions. Yeah, well, we'll nice. all thank her. Thanks, Lexi. Appreciate your Thanks. thoughts. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much. And maybe right, she well, will be enrolling in the academy. We, we'd love to have her. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Thanks, Tony. So uh, one of our listeners, uh, he's, he's, had, uh, he's got that name that Chris just loves to stumble over. Uh, he lives <laughs> up in the great white north with... Michael McLeishan? Like, this isn't a hard name. Nope, it's Michael Miklishan. Oh, I was Michael Miklishan. Oh, I should. Yep. I said it right. Damn it. Right. <laughs> there you go. Because you weren't thinking about it. He's a fellow exactly. Canadian, eh? Yeah. Uh, he wrote us several questions, particularly about the foundry. Uh, and uh, at the end of it, I'd like to, the one question that we skipped previously, I'd like to go back to. But. Um, He's got uh, his first one here is uh, what is your favorite community made Genesis setting? So luckily, these questions I don't have such long winded answers to. But uh, uh, so my favorite community settings I've only played in two that aren't my own, and I'm not going to vote for my own. But uh, uh, right now, Starkana and the Power of the Vril Adventure, uh, I played at both of those early versions of them before the Foundry came out at uh, Gamer Nation Con last April. And those, they're both my favorite because they're both amazing. Uh, Starkana, I guess, is the only one that's officially actually a setting because uh, Power of the Vril is really just an adventure. But uh, they're, they're both rich worlds, great places for, uh, excuse me, for sandbox play or uh, uh, creating your own sort of stuff. But uh, uh, what, what Chris Hunt with Power of the Vril and, you know, uh, uh, Phil Mazuski and, and all his buddies uh, at Studio 404 have done with Starkana. Like, those are both great products. So, cool. uh, yeah, those are the two standouts for me. Awesome. Okay. Stefan? Yes. Uh, next question is a little bit along the same line. What is your favorite community made custom rule set? And he goes, one of mine? <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, I think no. what he means there is the community as a as a group, not just the foundry stuff. Uh, right. No, and it's it's Phil's uh, Fallout hack, like the original uh, proto sort of uh, uh, originator of of the whole foundry itself, and of Genesis as a game, even. Right. That was uh, really where they got the idea. Yeah. Wasn't it? I, yeah. Genesis I, I could have the wheels hacked off and put on something right. else. Or uh, I mean, Phil. Phil ran it for Sam again at a uh, uh, at a Gamer Nation con. He ran it for Sam Stewart, and Sam really had a good time. Apparently, where he's like, "Wow, I should do a whole product where people we could support people uh, uh, hacking the the rule system." So uh, you got to give it up for for Fallout Genesis, or none of us would be here, right? <laughs> there we go. Nice. So, and then this next one in your mind, what makes the Genesis rule system special, revolutionary? So to me, this is an easy question. Uh, it's really, it's the multiple axes of success and failure. There's not really a lot like it, or at least wasn't a lot like it uh, prior to Genesis. And uh, so really that and this emphasis on 
improvisational community storytelling that that you're interpreting the dice in the moment as mm-hmm. opposed to I mean I know we have a lot of charts in this game for spending uh, dice results but uh, the rules make it pretty clear the the best uses of dice results are the ones you just come up with in the moment yeah uh, so so I, th- I think uh, the the way it's literally letting the dice tell the story I think it lends itself to improvisational unplanned games better than any system I've ever run with as much crunch as it brings to the table, right? There are some, like, really, really light, rules-like games that can do this well, too, but uh, but it puts a lot of the, the, the impetus for, for moving the story on the players. And this, the dice seem to do a lot of the work for me. I don't have to decide when something's going to go bad. The dice will tell me. I just have to decide why it went bad and what, or, or why it's going yeah. Right, right, right. And, and for uh, me, with that, with that part, it, it, it brings the table together more. I, I haven't seen as many players so engaged in a game wanting to contribute yeah. to somebody else's misfortune or fortune, right? It's, it's good. <laughs> it's one of the more wrong. collaborative table environments like you have. Yeah. I want to know what your friends... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, someone else's turn can be almost more exciting than your own. Because oh, uh, you... Because you'll shout anything to spend their dice results. Like exactly. you have no emotional connection to what happens no, to their character. Right. That's right, Daryl. When you roll that despair, <laughs> yeah, because no, we know you're it. going I, to. That's it. You, everyone like sometimes leans over and say, "What does Matt have? You know, what, what did he roll? You know, exactly. like." And I think some of my favorite moments, whenever it was either Tony or Chris running a Star Wars game, is like it's not where I chose something off the table to spend my advantage or whatever. It's like coming up with my own stuff right it's like oh yeah cool i remember that <laughs> yeah for sure and uh my favorite thing to do uh when i'm gming is if there's a red die a challenge die in a pool mm-hmm. i love to show everyone the despair symbol say if this comes up x is gonna happen and right. it just creates this tension at the table while everybody's <laughs> while we're oh, waiting for this thing. role right because it's like i know what horrible thing's gonna happen if if that despair <laughs> pops up and if it pops up, the whole table freaks. It's like, ah, oh, you know, everybody's loud. Uh, <laughs> oh, so it, it, it makes it, it's, you don't really get that in, in like your traditional D20 games or uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, I mean, not quite the same way, right? It's, it's a real unique sort of system. But I think the multiple acts is a failure in this sort of community engagement that it, that it brings just within the table itself to say nothing of the yep. wider community, right? But uh, I think that's what makes it so special. Cool. So Michael's last question here is more of a speculative one. It says, how do you see the system evolve, evolving in the short and long term? And what limits, if any, do you see the rules hitting? Uh, so I, I think what you're going to see a lot of is exploring uh, what the skills themselves do and uh, what they do in relationship to the different settings, right? Like, how different is survival in a sci-fi setting versus a fantasy setting versus a modern-day setting or, or streetwise? And, and like, what – so I, th- I think what you're going to see a lot happen is it's going to explode with information, tables, uh, and ways to sort of use these skills in different settings. And I think that's going to be both a good thing for the game and a bad thing because, as we just discussed, you don't necessarily want to get overly reliant on tables. What I think are great about tables is that a GM could read them. It can give them ideas. It can mm-hmm. put something in their brain, and then they can pull it out from their brain at the table. Mm-hmm. What, what I would hate to see is a GM with like a thousand pages of PDF printouts of you know every book ever made from the foundry. Mm-hmm. 
trying to find that one table that has the thing he likes uh, after every check. So, so I, I think uh, the limit is definitely to, to what a GM can can pull from out of thin air or out of their ass, as it might be. Yeah. Uh, but but also at the same time, like I don't know about you guys, but when I actually run the game, I rarely, if ever, have a book in front of me. It's pre-gens, maybe some adversary decks, dice, and a GM screen for the crit tables. Those are the only tables I actually look at. Otherwise, it's like, if, if I don't know the rule, we're going to make one up right now that seems mm-hmm. to work. Because yeah. cool. every mechanic should just be spend some results to make the thing happen, or set a difficulty and make a check, pick a skill. Like that's Those are your only two choices as GM, right? To, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not that complicated a system. Uh so yeah, I, I think uh, uh, the limit comes when when you're trying to make the system something it's not. Uh, if you're trying to move away from the narrative concept, if you're trying to make it a bean counting game, I think those are projects that'll. I mean, they'll probably become unsuccessful. I, I but I think uh, uh, for the most part, the only limit is like what can you imagine the system doing? Because uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty versatile. So yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Michael, for the questions. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you listening. And uh, uh, we still have a couple more before we get into Ready Fight, a couple that we skipped over. All right, we'll Um, say it to Michael. Merci, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the the one that I have here, uh, any advice for Genesis Foundry contributors, whether it's a new setting, existing setting, or an adventure uh, for either? Any of those, if you have any advice for people, what would be like the big one? What so, would it be? A lot of it is uh, advice I just gave Alexi, right? Uh, okay. So a lot of that can apply to them. I'm not going to repeat all that stuff, but uh, but finding a writing partner is key. Uh, just doing work is key. Practicing, right? Uh, but specific to the foundry, I would say uh, uh, find yourself a niche that isn't like already staked out, and there are so many. Uh, right, because the Foundry only has twenty some odd products up there, so there, there's a lot of ground that no one's really laid a claim to. So find one that uh, aligns with passions and interests you already have. Don't do something just because it's new. Do something because it's new and you're excited about it. Uh, uh, I think I think that would be my my number one piece of advice. Uh, like obviously, if you try to do a, a kung fu book after I just released Ready Fight. Like you might find there's not as much interest uh, for that, or if you try to market it as Ready Fight Part Two, I might get a little upset at you. But uh, uh, you know, for, depending on how much you rip right out of my book, right? But, uh, uh, calling uh, in an airstrike, man. That's right. <laughs> hey, I still have friends. No. But, uh, uh, but but it's different. I called mine Fight Ready. <laughs> right, well, and, and you know that's fine. Like uh, I think someone else put out a community resource that's real sort of Street Fighter 2 fighter game based. I think that's out there in the community somewhere. I don't think it's out of the Foundry yet, but it's a gorgeous product. It looks great. Somebody pointed it out to me like two days before uh, uh, before the Foundry was going to open up. I was like, oh, cool. I better make sure uh, it doesn't look like we wrote the same book. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> that worried because it was all parallel development, right? I hadn't heard of this while I was working. He might have seen what I did beforehand just because there was a, a, a very early version of Ready Fight, like a 15, 20-page version uh, was put out on my Patreon like a year and a half ago. Uh, so it's possible he was influenced by what I did, but I don't know that. Uh, what he did looked really sharp. I liked it a lot, but 
ultimately I, I wasn't uh, too concerned about it, right? But uh, uh, but yeah, find something that that excites you and and work on it. And the other thing I guess I would say from a practical standpoint is don't put like a three hundred page thing up there because you're you're gonna feel the need to charge like twenty bucks for it or something. And and honestly, it's just a lot. A lot of people don't want to read three hundred pages of of fan content, which is kind of what Foundry stuff is, right? It's community content is the proper word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, uh, but it, maybe aim at like a short to medium length product, something between like five and 40 pages. Uh, aim at that, aim to charge under five bucks, make it something you're excited about, uh, make it something that doesn't look like every single product up there, stuff you're starting to see repeat stuff of. Uh, uh, find Find your own little sort of niche territory to stake out. Uh, and go for it. And if you have friends to help you, like even better. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Chris, you want to do the last one here? Yeah, I got it. So, um, I saw this thing in Dragon Magazine, 184. I just was thinking about it. Like you were, you, you've created NPCs for the uh, for um, the Beanstalk. How do you build an NPC? And when what I'm referencing is this seven sentence NPC. Thing from Dragon Magazine. How do you, how do you build a, a an NPC, uh, Keith? How do I go about it specifically? Yeah, yeah how do you go about um, it? So again, it's going to depend on what I'm building it for. Uh, if I'm building it for an adventure, then like the needs of the story that the adventure is telling, it's yeah. probably going to dictate a lot about that character before I really get into the stats too much. Uh, but when I'm doing like a listing, like I did for uh, uh, for Shadows of the Beanstalk, then it becomes very much where uh, I'm trying to have NPCs that occupy sort of community niches in that setting, in that world. So, like, if you're doing it for Star Wars, you're like, well, I know we need stormtroopers. I know we need this. I know we need this. Gotcha. Uh, I worked on allies and adversaries. I did the whole scumbag section, the uh, scoundrels and all that. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, I've done a ton of adversaries for FFG in the past year and a half, it feels like. Um, so my first step is, like, usually I have to name the thing. I have to make a list of names. Usually just because FFG wants to see the list of names and be like, okay, that's diverse enough or whatever. That's that's not all gang members or it's not all military people. It's, it's a good mix of things found in this environment. Uh, usually they'll be like, how about this and how about that? And I want to see a teacup giraffe in there, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever, whatever Sam says. So, uh, uh, so I'll start there with a list. And once I have a name, then it's a, a matter of uh, – uh, Deciding if it's a minion arrival, a nemesis first, right, and then uh, 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 from there, I, st- I I can usually. I personally, I like to write the uh, uh, 100, 150 words, whatever it is, first. The flavor, okay, because the flavor helps me sort of define uh, what space this character occupies, like what role they have in the world, and once I've sort of nailed that down, then I find it's easier for me to. F- to create uh, uh, talents and abilities, and uh, you know, set up the stats and the skill selections to reflect that, rather than the opposite. But plenty of people, I'm sure, do it the other way too. Uh, I, th- I think it's just going to vary person to person to how you, uh, which end of that you do first, or how much you're co-developing. I'm sure there's a, you know a thousand ways to skin a cat, or whatever the uh, the phrase is. More more than one way, yeah. Yeah, yep. <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So what do we have next? Well, 
Stefan, you want to lead us mm-hmm. into the next round of questions. What we've got is sure, a group yeah. of questions about Ready Fight itself. Yeah, specifically t- about his little baby there, Ready Fight. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the first one, why an unarmed combat book? Really? Sure. Yeah. Why? You know, do you really need it? Come on. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think number one, it's awesome, right? Like, mm-hmm. number one, I, I don't know how many tables have you guys been at that didn't have at least one dude who was like, so I want to be Bruce Lee or I want to be, you know, Kung Fu guy or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Uh, every table's got the one guy who's like, I'm going to be Kung Fu guy. I know we're in like a, a military like shootout setting mm-hmm. and everybody else has guns, but like I'm snake eyes. Like I'm going to be the, the one guy who just wants to punch and kick people instead. So I, I know that guy's at every table, every game. So I thought like this is for the foundry. Um I should do something that that no matter what setting you're playing in, you could pick up my book and get something out of it for your existing campaign. Or if you know you want to start up a new campaign, I give you some ideas for that too. But uh, uh, but I really wanted to make sure it was it was just just as important for me that you could adapt it to no. I don't care if you're doing Terranoth or Android or one of the other six, five, four primary settings they introduced in the core book or something wild on your own or even star wars like ready fight can work with star wars too if 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 you're running a campaign that that fits it right Right. uh not every campaign's gonna so uh that was a big part of why also i'm a big nerd for uh for mixed martial arts for like ufc and all that stuff uh it was something me and my dad did together my dad passed away uh kind of right when i started writing an earlier version of this not long after that uh so uh it was something me and him did together we would go to the events we'd watch the pay-per-views uh we were both really educated fans about it uh for the navy i was an intel analyst so i'm just i'm an analytical person by nature uh so i'm that guy who could like tell you what joe rogan's about to say before he says it while they're doing the commentary for the fight like i'm I'm a good five seconds ahead of joe rogan being allowed to talk uh so so i'm i'm kind of i'm really interested in this and it was uh, a passion uh, of mine as a fan anyway uh and i thought i had a good take on it like mechanically for how things could change and and adapt to add some depth and it was also a part of genesis i looked at and said this is not good enough this isn't really representative mm-hmm. of 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 enough for me for some games what's there is going to be just fine because because unarmed combat is going to be a very minor part of your setting if it occurs at all right but like at the same time it's a lot of bar brawls, right? That's like a trope of any RPG setting where it's like oh, yeah. you don't have your weapons and you're in a bar fight. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I felt like that was something to do. And I feel like there's a lot of people who uh, uh, who have a lot of fondness for classic martial arts films, uh, for fight sports. And then when I was putting the book together, I'm not personally a big like uh, professional wrestling guy, but it, it fit the uh, mechanics so well already. Oh, yeah. That I was like, well, it, this has a bunch of fans. It's definitely something I should include. Uh, so, so yeah, that sort of gave rise to these four different settings, and uh, uh, it just if it, the book wrote so quickly, guys. I wrote the whole thing in like maybe eight or nine weeks. Uh, oh, is wow. when I yeah I got a draft out in that much that short period of time. So it, it's something, and again, this is one of those things where it's like people say, write what you know. Um, and that's why they say it, because when you already know a lot, you don't have to research a lot. And you also, if it's already up here, you have a good take on it mm-hmm. right out the gate and the, it could just spill right out of you. Uh, 
it, it came out really easy. Uh, more easier than a lot of Star Wars stuff, which I also know an ungodly amount about. Uh, this came out really. <laughs> but I part because I'd already wrote some of the central mechanical concept like a year earlier and had time to like think about them before. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I guess I went with an unarmed combat supplement first. Uh, I also happen to have a lot of art uh, already for this project from a buddy of mine, Sean Vrabel, who uh, did all the interior art for the book that's hand-drawn. Oh, I love that art. That, that's uh, yeah, that so great. Cool. Yeah, uh, he's, His work is so dynamic. Everybody feels like they're moving. Uh, uh, so I, I love it. There's just a feel of movement and speed and power and all of his uh, – and the attitude and all of his oh, images. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's important. We're bringing, we're bringing two more uh, original Sean pieces to the product. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we're waiting on one more piece from Sean. And we also have a new Rumble City map. Uh, we have a, a huge upgrade to the horrible, ugly uh, hand-drawn map that's in there right now. So that will get replaced. Uh, so that, that stuff's going to get pushed through soon. And uh, if you've already downloaded Ready Fight, you'll be able to check uh, drive through. It'll give you a notification that says there's an update ready to download, and you'll just get it automatically. Oh, that's great. Uh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that'll that, – I'm hoping to get that out in the next couple weeks at least. It's been on my desk for way too long, though. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons awesome. to do this one first. It feels yeah. like – Oh, Sorry, I, I, it feels like you may have answered the second question. Your prime inspiration? I'm pretty sure that's the UFC, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, although there's a, literally a whole page in the back of, of inspirations, right? Absolutely. Inspirational works. So. Mm-hmm. So, because I know that in some systems, the grappling rules or any kind of unarmed combat, you, people cringe at it, especially the, the GMs. Like, oh, no, you want to grapple? No, not in this system, well, please. How do you do it? Right. I think uh, yeah. uh, the problem there a lot of the time is that uh, uh, there's not a lot of RPG writers who have taken, mm-hmm. like, a jiu-jitsu or uh, a collegiate Boxing wrestling or... course. <laughs> yeah, but specifically for the grappling even, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it just it, – none of it makes sense to a lot of people. Certainly didn't in the 90s. Because there wasn't like the the resources we have now uh, with MMA, where there's this vocabulary that a lot of people know now about grappling. Mm-hmm. There's there's military combatives programs that a lot of people go through that explain a lot of this stuff okay. uh, as well. So uh, I think I think the knowledge base of the average player about grappling is a lot higher now than it was at D and D three five or, or whatever yeah, other <laughs> horrible grappling you might be like thinking of in your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that allowed me to get a little more technical about it, but also I think I had enough theoretical knowledge about how grappling kind of works in the real world to, uh, uh, to abstract it enough where it's like, it's not something that's not Genesis anymore. It's not something that's so like granular and, uh, uh, bean counting and, and, uh, like, Oh, I'm in the half guard now. So that means I get this bonus to just this attack. Like, you know, yeah. only only yeah. to the Kimura do I get a bonus or whatever. Like it wasn't like that <laughs> detailed where like this doesn't feel like Genesis anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not ninjas uh, and super spies, right? Yeah, I'm not what you did with it. I think it's a weird zoomed in level. I tried to find a happy medium because mm-hmm. I feel like I was one of the few people that understood a little bit about game design and Genesis and a little bit about grappling in the real world and how to represent it. Yeah. Some of my early readers as well, like David Mail was, uh, uh, or is, I should say, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. So I, I had a, a little bit of help from some early readers to make sure 
uh, uh, both that the, the positives and negatives I was getting, I was uh, giving certain abilities sort of reflected uh, what those things are supposed to do for real and, you know, double checking my terminology and stuff like that. Cool. Cool. Nice. So then our next, but yeah, our next grab, question. grappling rules are always a nightmare. I, agree. I know. And I think the way that you did it with the whole um, make a check, if you succeed, you're, you're at an advantage. Then you succeed mm-hmm. again and get another level of, you know, like a yeah. superior, superior advantage. And you go for the takedown or those, those kinds of things. I think the way that you've abstracted it really captures grappling and that, but it does. It feels very Genesis as well. Right. So what? Yeah, so, my. Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, I just my goal was just to make sure that it was a uh, uh, that someone who knew nothing about how grappling works could still intuit what was happening. Oh yeah. We're yeah. like, oh, I'm improving my control over this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but also someone who knows a lot, a lot about grappling could be yeah. like, oh, well, uh, if I have advantageous position, that's probably being in the guard or being in the half guard or something like that. But if I have superior position, that's probably side controller or foam. Like they, they can interpret what kind of right. means what. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I tried to make it so that it worked for both groups of people and tried to make it so that it was simple and easy to understand. It didn't really take up more than yeah. a page. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I think you hit it out of the park with that. To be hey, honest. thanks. That was good. I appreciate that was good. it. So so what so if so if somebody wants to a player wants to say oh I want to do these brawl skills I want to bring grappling I want to bring striking into your world or your setting GM what suggestion would you give to the GM to 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 to, to say yes but <laughs> uh, right so the first thing I think the GM needs to look at is uh, 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 is it just one player like how focused how much of a focus is this going to be both in the campaign. And for that player, if this is something a player just wants to dabble in, in a world that's mostly full of lasers or guns or, you know, magic axes or something like that, you, you might not want to use both skills. You might want to just leave it as just brawl. Or you might want to make it a uh, brawl for all the striking and uh, athletics for all the grappling, possibly. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, uh, I, I, there is a sidebar in the book somewhere that talks a little bit about this. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so it's not like I'm just giving you completely new information here, but uh, uh, like I'm making stuff up that I didn't think to put in the book. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it really depends just because of, of XP economy, right? Yep. You don't want to penalize a player uh, to have to buy all these uh, special moves and abilities with XP and two different skills with XP and uh, all this stuff, if it's only going to be sort of a minor part of what that character does, mm-hmm. or if unarmed combat itself isn't a central theme of the campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, even with all the special moves that I provide and, uh, you know, the different kicks and, and elbows and knees and takedowns and submissions, even with all that stuff, they're not as good as, like, a pistol. They're not as good as, like, <laughs> a rocket that. launcher. So they're they're not really built to necessarily be balanced against that, which is fine. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they can be if you get like later in the book and you get into like the signature abilities and stuff. Yeah. You could really crank up a punch. But uh, uh, but I, but I think you should you should really like read the book first. Be aware of what's going on and mm-hmm. how the XP economy works for that character, and don't penalize them to buy into all this stuff that they're not going to be able to like have as many maybe big moments with 
uh, at the table is like your guy who just buys into Gunslinger or something right. like that. So, so I'd be aware of that. I'm not saying it can't work or shouldn't work. Uh, because the other thing is make sure your player understands how to play this character. Because, uh, uh, if you look at a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the unarmed attacks, they have mm. a lot of, uh, statuses that they can inflict, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. you want to be generating some advantage with, with these attacks. So, uh, even if you don't do much damage, you can still control lock a lot of players with these, the, a lot of adversaries with these moves, right? So you could go to the big bad evil guy and you could get him concussed, staggered, or uh, ensnared, or there's a few different things you can do mm-hmm. that are going to really help your team. And as long mm-hmm. as the player understands, like, okay, I'm not going to knock out the, the orc with a kick because he's like six feet tall or whatever, but I can tie him up, uh, make him so he can't spend an action. And, and help delay his acting until my team catches up. Like, if, if they're okay with what the role is, which in, in gaming terms it would be like a control class, a controller, uh, as long as they understand that, I think that's another thing to make sure you're on the same page about. But I think it could be okay. Uh, it's just, it's like anything else. It's like actually any community content, period. If you're going to start mixing and matching, make sure you know what you're mixing and matching and talk with your players about what the expectations are. Let them tell you what their expectations are. Have a, have a strong session zero, right? Right. Uh, I think that's really the key. Cool. Uh, yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Well, uh, next question is, uh, do you have any advice for GMs on when to use the fighter size optional rules? Yeah, I do. Uh, so again, I do get into this a little bit in the book. Uh, the fighter size rules, I, I didn't want to create like a whole new version of silhouette rules. Uh, but basically, all human-sized characters are silhouette one, as right. of the yep. rules. Yep. Uh, which means that uh, if your character is five foot seven and is fighting someone who's six foot six, you're both silhouette one. There is no uh, mechanical advantage whatsoever for size, which to me mm-hmm. seems silly. So I created these fighter size rules to sort of address that in hopefully a somewhat economical way. Uh, without bogging down the table or slowing down the action. Now, when do I think you should use these rules? Not in every fight, full stop. Like They're not for every encounter. Uh, I think where they, they matter the most is for a uh, tournament setting, which is one of my settings in the book. Okay. So they matter most when you're doing professional fights, like boxers or mm-hmm. uh, uh, UFC fighters, like in a cage. There's, there's rules in the game for running one of these tournament-style settings. And I think there they matter a lot because it's one of the tropes of that setting as well, right? And it's also one-on-one combat. So uh, um, I think that's where they matter the most when you're in that kind of environment, that kind of a, a combat encounter. If, if I'm doing like a Jackie Chan-style kung fu setting, I'm probably going to mostly ignore them unless... I happen to throw like a giant brute at them or something like that, right? Okay. Uh, and even then, I might abstract the rules to not pay so much attention to the fighter size of uh, uh, of everyone else. I might just be like, this guy gets boosts to attack or whatever. Uh, okay. Unless one of my players starts taking some of these size-related talents, right? Like strapping mm-hmm. or uh, uh, the rangy fighter. I, there were There's like two or three talents in the book that really... Uh, take advantage of fighter size. And uh, um, I, when I made those rules, I was thinking of them mostly in the context of here's stuff for the tournament fighter setting people that they'll really like. They're, they're called things that are like oh. uh, uh, well-known names for for uh, uh, like Giant Slayer and stuff like that. Uh, where I grew up, actually, there was a guy, Keith Hackney, who was a pro uh, UFC fighter. He was known as uh, the Giant Slayer. 
But uh, oh, cool. Uh, cool. Yeah. So he like and it was in Roselle is where his school is. It was like two blocks from where I lived for a while. But uh, uh, yeah. So so there are a few talents, and if somebody's using their ta- those talents. You should reward them when they're fighting someone and make sure that that stuff comes into play, right? Uh, not necessarily every combat encounter, but but sometimes. I think they're all pretty cheap talents, so yeah. you know, don't feel the need to work it into every single combat encounter. Right. Gotcha. All right, we got next, Stefan. Uh, next up, we have, what part of the book are you most proud of? Ooh, so the aforementioned <laughs> grappling rules, I think, uh, uh, for me, they felt like a real coup to to work those out in a way that seems to make sense. Uh, and that isn't like 12 pages or it's like own separate book. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the talent diversity in that book. Um, I, there's a lot of like individual talents where I'm like, I'm happy. Uh, I really liked, uh, the way I set it up where there aren't, I didn't have to do a separate unarmed, uh, weapon for like every kick and punch, under the sun you could just combine them with spinning jumping and some of these other like uh strike modifier weapons uh talents rather and you could have like a whole different weapon i thought that was a a a good idea there's a lot of stuff that in the book i was real happy with Uh, the rules for getting knocked out and knocked down i thought were fun for the tournament settings i think i could see those adding a lot of uh uh, play. I really liked that I was able to work the, some of the animal kung fu styles into the book. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. That was that was. Uh, I probably spent more time researching that than any other single thing in the book because it was the one thing where like I had never taken a kung fu class. I'm aware of these different animal styles, but like I better make sure I get it right. So I went down this like deep, deep uh, rabbit hole of YouTube videos from like kung fu guys, just like breaking down styles and moves and they have what, significantly long histories and yeah right a, so a lot of major differences yeah yeah so that that was a, a lot of work but i think i think it paid off i also like as a ufc guy my first instinct is like well you can't punch someone with your with your hand like this in leopard style you're gonna you're gonna break this you're gonna break your hand like for <laughs> sure so there's definitely like some rules in there that that uh make that a risk, right? Like if you miss mm-hmm. with one of these strikes, you're going to really hurt your hand. Uh, and obviously if I, if I had the chance down the road to do a Kung Fu setting expansion book, there would definitely be talents you could take to reduce the risk of breaking your hand. Uh, or you could just wear gloves and stuff like that, which also help. There's some equipment right in there that can so. reduce like the, the risk wraps, of breaking. Yeah. Yeah. There's wraps, there's gloves, there, mm-hmm. there's a few different things. Yeah. Uh, uh, equipment wise, which let me tell you, that was a challenge too. be like, so it's an unarmed combat book. Let's talk equipment. Like, <laughs> well, they don't need anything. <laughs> they don't that's need the whole equipment. point. They don't need anything. Which that's like, a nice well, segue. That's actually a nice segue into my next question here. Well, our next question, do you need to take down unarmed gear to do a takedown? Because the, the way that it, the way that you've set it up is you spend XP to buy your quote unquote unarmed gear, which are a punch a kick, takedowns and such. So do you? Right. Do you need it? A- uh, so the answer is no, because the generic unarmed attack has the knockdown ability. Cool. And if you're using the generic unarmed attack, you can use it. And if you have a success, trigger to advantage, a knockdown can certainly be interpreted as a takedown. So uh, no, everyone can do it uh, uh, with the generic unarmed attack that everyone has from the core rulebook. 
just like they can throw a knockout punch, right? Uh, of course, if you buy the takedown, uh, you're going to be able to do it a lot better. Uh, you're going to be able to have some additional effects, but that represents your character having taken some training in maybe judo mm-hmm. or uh, you know Roman Greco wrestling or you know just American right. collegiate freestyle wrestling or something like that. So, you, so you're going to have a lot more options with your takedown. You're going to be able to be a lot more intentional about that takedown, but but the answer is no, anyone can technically do one for sure. The the, the unarmed, the generic unarmed uh, ability, uh, attack, I guess I should call it, uh, it's pretty pretty versatile in how it can be used. Mm-hmm. It's just not very good, as most of us know, uh, because go. the crit rating is five. Yes. And uh, <laughs> the damage is, it's plus zero, right? Right, it's so your it's brawl. It's brawn and damage. Brawn, yeah. right? yep. uh, so it's just, it's not doing much, but in lieu of nothing, it's not so bad. That's true. All right, Tony, take us out, right. buddy. Got our last question here. With, yeah, the final question is actually one that I wrote because of uh, the final little bit there. Uh, any suggestions for creating mystical moves like those seen in fighting video games like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat or even Kung Fu Panda? Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> So uh, um, there is a section in there uh, about uh, key powers or chi powers, if you will. And I believe like a chi fireball is one of the moves. Like iron shirt is one of the moves. I was very inspired when I was doing it by uh, uh, more so by like classic Kung Fu movies, but also Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat. Those are both like key elements, key influences for the book overall. So I I think I, I put about five really basic powers up there. That, that you could draw on your your inner strength to uh, uh, to perform, and they they kind of we talk a little bit about magic and mysticism in this book, not too much because it's really the the focus isn't that it's it's the kung fu and the fighting right, but uh, uh, but it's in there, and and I will say I've said this before, if there is enough demand for any one of the four settings introduced in that book. I would love to do like a 50-page setting book just for that. That sort of expands on those concepts. Hmm. But, uh, excuse me. Sounds like a Facebook poll to me there, Tony. <laughs> you put up on our Facebook page. Which one do you guys like the best? <laughs> yeah, I would, lo- I would love to know which one is uh, 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 well, of, I, the most you know, of the 10 listeners it, that we have out there. We'll see. Yeah. Hey. What they got. You have tens of listeners. Tens. Well, uh, in case you didn't know, I am actually doing a one-shot Kung Fu Panda adventure for our Nerds International Virtual Con, and I will be using your uh, it, that particular starts on page eighty-five. Those Kaigong moves yeah. as my inspiration for all the powers that, and also the animal Kung Fu styles for the sure. various different. Yeah, because you know. If you're yeah, playing no, monkey, I think... you want to use monkey style. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. <laughs> I would I would love to explore more of that. There was when I was doing the book, I was like, man, there's like a hundred different animal styles, and I should just do something for each of them. But like at a certain point, you have to cap the page count, right? Uh, Unless you want to create that 300 page book, right? Right. Um. And I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I want to keep well, it then. accessible. Uh, my goal, mostly with the five super sort of abilities I did provide, was that um, I wanted to give enough there to just like kind of show what you could do with these and uh, uh, inspire you to create your own, right? And that's what Genesis is all about at the end of the day anyway, right? It's like, here's a framework, start making your own within it. And uh, um, I would also say, outside of like what appears to be just magic, look at the signature abilities too, right? So it, like uh, uh, 
in Kung Fu Panda, they would have like special strikes. There'd be like, you know, the death punch or what it's always a death punch, right? But, uh, uh, there'd be like certain, uh, uh, striking techniques that you could use. And I think the signature uh, weapon uh, stuff that I get into in there sort of covers uh, okay. ways Three-finger to do that. strike of Meng Shing. Right, right, right. <laughs> stuff like that. So, uh, uh, Wuxi yeah. finger hold. <laughs> I, I, so I think, I think between the, the, the chi powers, the forbidden moves is another thing I have in there, right? Yeah. Uh, oh. forbidden, forbidden techniques. Uh, so between the, the key powers, chi powers, the Forbidden techniques and the signature uh, abilities. Like between those three, I think there's enough framework to to adapt anything you see them do in any of the what is it three Kung Fu Panda movies? Yeah, uh, uh, so far. there's three plus there's like several a TV show or whatever and <laughs> specials. Oh, yeah. believe me, my grandson. Yeah, fair enough. Old. I can't claim to be an expert in all of it, but I've definitely seen the three movies. Uh, I think uh, what's his name Poe. Poe, yeah, yeah. Poe. Yeah. Po? Uh, see, I'm a little. I, pay, I pop in the DVDs once every two or three months at least. Anything with James Hong is going to get at least like a watch out of me once, right? <laughs> Just to hear his voice. But I think Poe would definitely have like that invulnerability power, right? There's one of them in there somewhere. Iron yep. shirt, I think, is what we call it. But like, cool. this would be more like doughy shirt. But fine. Yeah, uh, we, that's what I have. That panda Same effect. Armor of shirt. Armor of blubber. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, there's enough there definitely to get you going. Obviously, you think so. You started doing it, but uh, yeah. Good. So I'd say just get creative and look at all three of those rule sets because I think uh, uh, all three of them are going to contribute something that's like, oh, that's how I'll do this. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, we've <sighs> talked extensively to you. We've asked you a bunch mm-hmm. of questions. Now, like we do on our show by ourselves. We're just going to jump over in the next segment. We'll play some Genesis. Hey. Let's do it. All right. So welcome to part three of our show. And, uh, our favorite part, but this time we'll be joined by Keith, which will help us uh, illustrate some of the aspects of ready fight, of advantageous threats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so, yes, we'll, we'll be building a couple of dice pools, educating those roles in a little scenario I wrote up real quickly um, for this. We already rolled initiative ahead of time, so that's out of the way. Um, so basically... Where this happens is around the 1970s at the Holmes Fanning's Central High School in Chicago, Illinois. (laughs) Inspired a little bit by a big trouble in Little China, Kung Fu Hustle kind of movies. So the basic scenario is that we've got um, the auditorium uh, of a high school where the kids are rehearsing uh, a play, uh, The Wizard of Oz. And one of them, the lead, Meredith, is the target of uh, a kidnapping. Uh, some uh, triads, the Hong Feng triad, which means the Red Wind triad, wants to kidnap them, kidnap her. Their, their leader has some kind of mystical ritual that she wants to do. So she sent her, uh, her Savage Cloud sisters, three women uh, with some goons, uh, 
to abduct her. And we've got three people who might stand in their way. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys want to do a little quick uh, intro over your characters? We'll just quick over sure. here. Tony? I'll, yep, I'll start. I'm playing Hemlock Jones. I've been following these triads. I'm a martial artist PI. <laughs> That's go. a thing, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a martial artist PI. You know it is. <laughs> Kung Fu Detective, now. man. Kung Fu Detective, baby. Literally Hong Kong Fui. Yes, there you go. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and uh, Chris? Um, I am playing uh, Meredith's uh, boyfriend, who is currently trying out for the... He's dre- currently dressed up as the Cowardly Lion. Um, <laughs> named Danny Huang. He's a martial artist uh, competitor. Uh-huh. And as soon as they grab her, he'll he's going to be going off, man. All so right. And, and Keith? Uh, I'm Mr. Zapeta. I'm the high school uh, gym teacher and wrestling coach. Uh, I selected the high school wrestler uh, uh, archetype in the professional career. And I am in the auditorium because I heard that uh, Danny was going to waste his high school years uh, <laughs> playing the cowardly line when I really need him on my wrestling right. team uh, with the skills that he has. So, uh, <laughs> All right. So good. So it's after school, uh, not too late, but uh, that's why the uh, people are here to, uh, to rehearse after classes. Uh, Mrs. Stephanie is uh, the drama teacher. So she is... She is directing them, trying to get oh, uh, the most emoting out of them. <laughs> no, no, more cowardly lion, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> and about eight- and then I do, and I do like a jump kick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've got a few people in the seats, uh, waiting their turn, maybe while you know, rehearsing their line. Some on stage. Uh, one person maybe uh, up above directing the lighting, and so about eight to nine students all, all on all the two teachers, and the janitor, old man Pearson, just you know, getting ready to just clean up afterwards all this mess. <laughs> Me and Pearson probably drink behind the school after hours all the time. I'm probably, <laughs> just just but as long as it's only Bud Light, he'd be yes. okay with that. That's okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. The, uh, the bad guys got, uh, let's say, a first initiative and with a triumph, which means they oh. get to do a, a bit of a move. So they burst in from behind the, uh, the stage right and stage left and uh, move some of the students roughly uh, out of the way. And the three, the three sisters, they basically rappel down some of the, the lines, uh, <laughs> raising oh, the backdrop. Nice. Yeah, raising the backdrop of uh, the forest to the Emerald Poppy City. Fields? Oh, Emerald back. City. Gotcha. Poppy Fields yep. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they rappel down and just do the dramatic pose. Say, you know, wow, really, really great production value for the flying monkeys in this thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for high school production, this ain't bad. So that's that's pretty much their action. And they single out Meredith. Uh, grab her. Kill anyone who resists. Who gets in our way? Oh, <laughs> oh, wow! Oh, yeah, they're ruthless. So that's so basically. Their I'd action. like to volunteer to go last as far as the PCs' actions go because I think my character wouldn't realize this is a real fight right away. All right. 
fair enough. So that's the NPC slots. They come in and, you know, do their whole entrance bit. Uh, okay. So next up is a PC slot. Uh, I would like to make Hemlock's dramatic entrance into the uh, arena. Of course. Here, or into the, <laughs> sorry, the auditorium. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to rip open the doors on the side of the uh, the auditorium and kind of like work the crowd, so to speak. Okay. Um, <laughs> with my coercion. I want to kind of, you know, get every... All right, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Do the dramatic like, entrance. Like Aragorn style. <laughs> yeah, I'm here now. The flowing yeah, trench coat and everything. All right. Sweet. Cool. <laughs> yep. It's just, all right, motherfuckers. These black fists of fury are here to beat your ass. Come on. Right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right. What, uh, so coercion? Coercion, yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you say is the difficulty? Uh, let's see. Well, against you're doing this for against uh, a whole group. Yeah, I'm gonna actually try to basically thin some of these minions out. Maybe scare some of them off. All right. So the minions, well, they're just minions. Well, there's two groups of minions, so only one willpower. But since there's two groups, I'll make it too difficult. Does Hemlock Jones have like a reputation with these people? You said you'd been like hunting them or whatever, I've right? I've been fighting the triads for a while. Yeah. So they can know uh, of you. Sounds like someone's yeah. maybe asking for a boost. Yes, so maybe a boost dice. Yes, go ahead. All right. <laughs> it's like, oh no, not Jones. So since our boost boost die whore is GMing, Keith has stepped in. <laughs> so <it> started, immediately. <laughs> immediately stepping in. It's going to be a guy boost die. At a guy. All, All right. right. So uh, for coercion, mm-hmm. I'm going to be using my willpower, which All is right. two. And I have one rank in coercion. So I have two, one yellow, one green. One blue. And it, is, and it is opposed by willpower as well, right? No. Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, if you want it to be, it's a discipline check. Or mm-hmm. discipline is what it's uh, right. Discipline, but they don't they don't have discipline, so. so that's one willpower. And <laughs> one you said willpower. you were adding one or upgrading? Just one. Know. Just one. Like two, the two groups, I have each one willpower. Put them together, just two difficulty. Okay. Cool. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. No, we'll be good. All right. All right, first step is I ended up with uh, just one advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Washed out. I had two successes, two failures, but one advantage. Maybe your your voice echoes, Mm. you know, and it's like big daddy voice. I'm here. (laughs) Like they don't even know which way you're coming from, maybe. Yeah. Maybe my failure is that I, but while I did open the door and I did sound intimidating, the one teacher. Language! <laughs> <laughs> Language, <laughs> monsieur! You did drop the MF bomb, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and I'm just like, oh, sorry, ma'am. <laughs> we have impressionable ears here. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for my maneuver, I will maneuver up into uh, the next range band closer to the minion groups. Start right. taking them out. Because right, you always work through the minions to get to the bosses. Well, that's yeah. it. So you'll be, you'll be in, in close range next time. Uh, what do you want to do with your advantage? Mm-hmm. Uh, my single advantage, I think, just because of the fact that somebody else has showed up mm-hmm. to kind of bolster these two guys, these other guys that were already here. Next player to act is kind of feels emboldened that there's actually somebody here to help. That'll be a boost. It's not cowardly. And, and luckily, luckily enough, it's another PC slot. So. All right. Awesome. So, so. Danny, 
he hears yes. this chick says, you need to grab her, points to my girlfriend. No, you don't. And I'm going to just go up to the nearest yeah. minion group and do a... Uh, and this PI that just burst into the auditorium that you sort of recognize. Yeah. So, you get so, a boost eye for that. <laughs> perfect. So I'll get a boost eye for that. Um, I'm just going to go up to one of these minion groups and... I'm going to do a leopard paw because, you know what? I'm dressed as a fucking lion. And I'm going to leopard paw that fucker. <laughs> so let's see. Put so him, that's going to well, be put a... Put him up. Put him up. Put him up. I'm going to take you down. Take you down. Put him up. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. So actually, All right. Danny's kind of big. I did grab, like, the scrapping talent. And I did spend 10, 10 XP to make him six foot tall. Oh wow! So right oh. that would give him a boost eye if color. we're doing the, the, the rules for the size. So I think it's what every plus four inches or something yeah. such. So all right, yeah. so I'll grab oh. another boost eye for that. At least another boost eye. Yeah, these guys are a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Leopard paw, pierce, length, knockdown. All right, rock out. Oh, but reach minus one. So I'll take that boost eye away. Woohoo! Awesome. <clears throat> okay, so I have um, two purple difficulty. He's got two in striking, and he's got a three bronze, so two yellow, a green, a blue, and two purple. Chris, right. if you don't mind, what did you? Why did you remove a boost die for reach? Oh, I'm Explain sorry. For yes, listeners. I'm sorry. So the leopard paw, unarmed gear that I spent yeah. ten XP to get, has damage two. Actually, it's brawn minus one, so damage two, crit three, pierce two, linked one, knockdown, but reach minus one. And the reach minus one subtracts four inches, so that will remove your remove a boost die for me. Oh, or if I go below the neutral size, it'll add a setback die or something for every step below that. Um, gotcha. And yes, as Keith said, lots of different fiddly bits at the end of this leopard claw, which is great. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Come on. Oh. He, on is advantage, tri- right? he is triumphant, motherfuckers! Oh, buddy. <laughs> language! All right, yeah, language. All right, so one success, one advantage, one triumph. <laughs> so he's going to do a leopard paw. Damage, right. three damage. Pierce two, though, because it's leopard paw. Right. Yeah, the leopard paw and the kung fu, it's like when they hold their hands sort of like... Okay. Yeah. They're punching with like that first row of knuckles. And but they're is. real short, fast strikes, and they're aiming them at, like, your neck, basically. Like, at your throat. Nice. So, yeah, I'm going to hit one of these minion dudes with that, and I'm going to spend my triumph to take one out. Boom! That's it. So, one minion goes bye-bye already. Mm-hmm. You said you had advantage, too? I had one advantage, and that might... You know what? I'm thinking I'm going to pass that on to my future wrestling coach. Um, cause he's <laughs> Mr. Got, he's Zapata. Like, He's got some skills, <laughs> Mr. Bay. Yeah. He's got some so, skills. So how much damage was that total? Okay, to, so uh, total damage was three damage, pierce two. All right. So three damage, yeah, three damage. Mm-hmm. They only got soak one, so. Okay, and then I'm going to use the triumph damage. to take a minion out of that group. Out. All right, so you take one out with your triumph. <laughs> nice. And, it, and just take another one out as well. <laughs> oh, There's just one left. Hell yeah. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Nice. There we go. There we go. So Excellent. is there there's another minion group like right there or Yeah, there's another minion group not too far away as well. Okay. So uh, then we go to an NPC slot. Oh, it's his slot, huh? Yep. We have a couple yeah, then there'll be another NPC slot. So 
the so the the other minion group uh, will seem to see maybe the potential of uh, the coach there uh, maybe getting involved, and they'll Uh-oh. jump up. <laughs> oh, nice! He looks like trouble because <laughs> he's standing. Not Danny. You know, in my my Everlast sweatpants and. Uh... Yeah. Well, no, no, actually, no. I actually made more sense to try to get to a Hemlock because he's moving forward anyway. He's like, oh no, not him. We have to take him out. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I'm not necessarily involved yet. I'm just no, sort of exactly. It's a really weird play. So they take a maneuver. They take a maneuver to. Uh, they take a maneuver to come up, come up with their asp uh, batons, you know, collapsible batons, and move into. Uh, oh, very big trouble, little China style. Oh, yeah, yeah, the big beat down on Hemlock. So there we go. So they've got. Um, they're using their melee. What you're probably we're... thinking is like, did he really hit them? I thought this was supposed yeah. to be a play, a fake play. That's brawls. There you go. That's French production. You could have spent your advantage to land the part. Like you stayed in character the whole time. Put him up. Put him up. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So they'll be doing that. <laughs> so let's go. So. All right, so two success and four advantage. Ooh, nasty. Ooh. What what attack did they use? Oh, it was the baton, right? Uh, yeah, the uh, baton. They have, like, disorient or something? Uh, yeah, they'll have disorient one. Oof. Or a crit, right? Yeah, well, we'll activate the, uh, the, the, the disorient. It's more, it's more fun that way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that does a total of five damage. Okay. Uh, I have a soak of three, so okay. I'll take two of that. All right, and activate the disorient with the rest of the advantages. Got it. I got a black die for. Here we go. One round. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. All right, and then we go to a PC slot. Keith, it's my turn. So now that people are getting beaten with sticks, I'm pretty yes. convinced that there's something horrible going on here, and this is weird and wrong. Yes. So uh, these are not faculty uh, students or no, uh, faculty yeah. members. <laughs> so this weird person who just burst in through the door screaming and is in a fight with other people yeah. that don't go to school here. I don't care about that as much right now. <laughs> uh, but there is a student who is in an altercation. With three, three adults. <laughs> so, yeah, two of them uh, are already down, although one of them has a stick. Right. right. So mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, spend a maneuver to like mount the stage. I assume I was like standing right. by being like, Danny, get out of the weird little kid's costume and come to the rest of you. <laughs> uh, like, so no. I'm going to vault up onto the stage uh, as a maneuver, climb up there, nothing too fancy. Yeah. And then... Uh, um, uh, if that's not, uh, I'll suffer too strain to get another maneuver if I need to. But then I want to do a takedown of the remaining minion. Sure. No, no need to for another maneuver. You're just close getting enough. up there. Is close enough. Okay. So I'm going to uh, initiate a takedown attack, which is a brawl grappling uh, attack. So my brawl will be. Uh, I have a brawl of four and two ranks in brawl grappling. So it's right. probably going to be super nasty. Uh, <clears throat> And it's against just the two purple, right? Unless he has anything I need to know about defense-wise. Nope, just two purple. Okay. And two success and two threat. All right. So the damage would be uh, uh, seven points of damage. 
Oh. Uh, <laughs> but it also has the exhausting two quality, which means I suffer two strain. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, definitely you take him out just, you know, with that awesome maneuver. You just put him into that lock or and just, you know. Was it like a pile driver? Pile driver maybe or something? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that tough. It's like, oof. Yeah, just pick him up, <laughs> dump him on his head, and yeah. that's the end of that guy, right? <laughs> yep, but that's with, the end of that group. With the two threat, is there anything? Some threat. Um, while you're busy at that, it might give a bonus to one of those uh, ladies that are the ruthless enforcers. Uh, the Fair enough. Sisters. Okay. It could also maybe, maybe it leaves me prone. Maybe I took him down and went down to the ground with him. Oh, instead there you go. Of there there you go. That'll be good. Prone, yeah, that sounds good. Cool. All right, so one minion group gone. That's fine. I'll just take Come away on, one initiative. Come on, get up, get up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the uh, in that NPC. Well, the uh, the NPC slots for the three sisters. There you go. Mm-hmm. So one of them uh, will move towards Meredith and starts grabbing her. She doesn't. She's not really a fighter, so she just manages to. Uh, Put her a bit of into a lock and moving off stage slowly. Of course, she's struggling. So, uh, and the other two will move in towards uh, the two other people on stage, both uh, Danny and sorry, Mister Mister Zapata. Zapata, there you go. Right. So that was the best gym teacher name I could come up with in short notice. <laughs> That's fine. That's great. <laughs> so there we go. So then. Coordinated assault. Once per turn as a maneuver, they may grant up to two allies within short range. Best defense. Uh, uh, Right now, they're not going to do that. They're just going to try and do some uh, their own uh, melee or uh, martial arts uh, with their Dao sabers. Oh, no. They have swords? Jeez. Holy crap, dude. (laughs) It's escalated so quickly. It's it's so dead. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Don't worry. Hemlock's here to solve this. There you go. <laughs> uh, melee of threes, and that's based on agility three. There we go. Now, since they're they're in the city, they will switch that to uh to stun or you know like the batons again. That way, instead of vicious, they'll have uh, disorient. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who are you so going after? Three three. First, who are you attacking first? Uh, we'll go after the two, the person who just took out two of their goons. Yep. Danny. <laughs> so, you know, they've never fought a real lion before. I'm going to spend a story point upgrade that fucker. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Fucking Very tail bouncing costume. in their face and everything, man. Yeah. And <laughs> do, you, do you have uh, any defense? Dude, I'm, hey. Heavy clothing, baby. One soak. I'm going to give myself a soak. How about that? A soak point, yeah. I think I'm That's a, yeah, it's heavy. It's padded, yeah, <laughs> in all the right places. <laughs> all right, so I'm not flipping any story point for now. Good. All right, so no no despair, but a couple of threats and a failure. All right, that tank cancels that out. So two successes and two threat. Nice. So you you just get hit, bong, a little bit soundly okay. for a total of six damage. Six damage. All right, I'll soak four of that. Yeah. What? And you cut my. Got, you cut my. And you got two costume. threats. You've got two threats. What do you want to do with a threat? 
is two threat enough to kind of um, knock one of their weapons out of their hand? Or is that three? Can't remember. Uh, if it's not, you know what it slips. You know what it, it slips in her hand, so she's gonna have a uh, she's gonna have like a setback die to hit me next. She'll time. have a setback die. <clears throat> Perfect, not a problem. That'll be Bay. We'll okay. call her against uh, mm-hmm. Danny. All right, and then the other will attack uh, Professor uh, Zapata. Sure. Same dice pool. There we go. Difficulty two, and. Uh, she saw the, the threat that maybe Mr. Zepeda is, so I'll flip a story point upgrade. Oh, my. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah, she'll, uh, she'll try to, to knock you out, hopefully. Do you, do you want to upgrade difficulty? No, not at this time. I do have my second effort ability where uh, once per session I can spend a story point to reroll any two dice from a single check. Right. Uh, so if I don't like the results and they're really nasty, maybe I'll use that. But right. all right. But uh, since you're prone, uh, yeah, they, they she does get a boost die to that. Yes. All right. All right. Let's do it. Do it. So there you go. Got some failures. Even though I upgraded. So there we go. These two. These two. Oh, one success only. Mm-hmm. And one advantage, two advantage, actually. Okay. Um, I think so, I'm just going to take the hit then. All right. So that's uh, five damage. I soak four of it, so that's not so bad. All right. And Ron for four, two, man. There for you two go. advantage, she'll Good. for two advantage, she'll give a boost die to her uh, her colleague, okay. uh, Zoo, who will be going after uh, Hemlock. Nice. And she's the last one to go. So there you go. Do you have any defense, uh, Hemlock? I am wearing a martial arts gi, so yes, I do have one. One defense, perfect. Cool. So if you're looking at a dice pool of two purple, a black, and three yellow, do you want to flip a story point? Yep. Uh, all right. I've will... chased you sisters across the city, and I will have my vengeance. <laughs> right, she's <not laughs> she just facing to. off against me and knowing that I have yeah, chased yeah. after them for days. That's it. Nice. So, but she gets her boost eye from her, her sister. Alrighty. Well, the boost eye didn't come up anything. So, a couple of dice. Some failures. Alright. So, actually, she fails. Nice. That's right. One, one failure. The hemlock. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> Jones. Hemlock Jones. <laughs> With uh, five, five, six advantage, though. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. So even though she fails to, to actually hit you, she... I have uh, an idea. Yeah, go ahead. Well, she's just been... She, would she have a sword? No, she's got a stun baton. Or stun. the... Yeah, the axe baton there. Wow. Well, she... She hooks my gi mm-hmm. and throws me to the ground, but in the process rips it off, so I lose my armor. <laughs> Wait, but not? also, like, but, but Hemlock's gonna be fighting shirtless. Thematic, very thematic. That's right. <laughs> Naked passive defense. <laughs> well, that gives him at least four four defense. Yeah. Right. I mean, 
Wow, he ain't, he ain't worked up a sweat yet. That'll be where that'll be in a few minutes. He's gonna have to spend like a charm or coercion check to have a flex. You know, he gets yeah. the flex scene, then he can get some temporary defense. You know what, Teeth? Oh. I'm feeling a new talent in your in the, in Ready Fight Two coming. Flex, yeah, like intimidating flex. Yes, sweaty flex. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, uh, magically oiled up all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I can Grease see it working. Armor. I can yeah. see it. <laughs> I can see him be completely so those oiled three, up. So those three um, goons see that, you know, like, uh, they, they see their advantage increase. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to uh, oh, let's do the intimidators. They've got the intimidator mm-hmm. ability. They'll try that on, uh, on Hemlock right. Jones since he's surrounded now and one of their leaders there. Uh, Lieutenants is helping them. So it's an opposed coercion versus discipline, but I use brawn and their brawn instead of presence. So their coercion, there's three of them. So there you go. And brawn. Was that a talent out of uh, Ready Fight? No, it's just well, it's part of their uh, block stat blocks. Yeah, it's the isn't oh, cool. that from the kung fu setting? I think that's yeah. one of my uh, oh, nice. uh, bandits or something. Is what Intim- I think that is. I mean, bandits, awesome. yeah, intimidators. So uh, I didn't see a reason to give the bandit minions high presence or whatever for yeah. or whatever skill it was. Mm-hmm. It made more sense to just like they're intimidating people. Yeah, so well, I just tied it to a different attribute. So if successful, the GM selects at least two items in the character's possession. They must surrender one to the bandits. <laughs> yeah, it's like a stick up. It's like a mug. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my gi. <laughs> <laughs> you want my pants too? Butt naked. And what is your and what is Hemlock's discipline? <laughs> uh, Hemlock has. Um, let's see. I do. I Hemlock's got to have, have one cool about discipline. No, no I discipline. do have uh, totally one rank in discipline oh, yes. and a willpower of two. So it's going to be one red, one purple. <laughs> one purple. All right. It's actually the archetype skill for being a martial artist. Oh, fair. Okay. There you go. So three yellow, a purple, and a red. Archetype. Oh, I forgot about that. And yeah, I'm, I'm good with that roll. Do you want to flip a story point or? Yeah, they're just minions. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right. No despair, but some threat again. So that cancels out the advantage. But you do get five successes. Oh, and a threat. Oh. Well. So you you surrender two items or to them. <laughs> Give them your pants. Yeah, my pants oh. and my wallet. <laughs> Actually, I probably would have no. my uh, my trusty forty five also, but I don't want to use it in a hand to hand fight in a school. Yeah. Sure. Or maybe as more of an intimidator in here instead of just uh, for, for these guys. It just unnerves you. Uh, Mm-hmm. So it'll give you a, a, a setback dice for your next action. Okay. All right. If that's what you want. Yeah. That's fine. Enough. So I've just kind of. Oh, this is. I, I had this flashback to a previous advantageous threat where I was surrounded in an alley. Oh, there you by go. By a bunch of goons. <laughs> and you go. You're getting a flashback. This minion group has a couple of those guys from that group that beat the crap out of me. There oh, we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Uh oh! Yeah, we know we know we can take this guy. That's what we beat Joe ass before. <laughs> so now we go to another PC slot. There we go. All right, so we back to the top. All right, we're Danny back to take it. Yeah. Oh, you want me to take it? Yeah. So let's see. Girlfriend's yeah. being taken away. 
just got cut with a sword or whatever. Um, you know what? What's I my see. muse for this scene? My <laughs> muse for this. Yeah, my muse. Come on, show me my motivation. Well, definitely gonna roar. Um, but I'm going. To, you know what? He sees. You know, wrestling coaches there. He sees that. She kind of, as she overstretched herself with her threat, he yeah. just headbutts her. He's gonna try and maybe stun her so he could get away to go get his girlfriend. And, oh, it's a very right. risky headbutt maneuver, which I is know. also free, right? It's zero XP. It's zero yeah, XP. There's maybe. a reason for that. <laughs> Two damage. Yeah, yeah there's yes, a reason for that. Yes, there is. Reach. Yes, okay, is. so here we as we say, so it's brawn minus one, crit five, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to spend my advantage on that. Concussive one, so she'll be concussed, stunned for a round, knocked down, but reach minus two, so I'm going to give myself a setback die. On this, because okay. it makes me a little short or whatever. That's the fighter yeah. size thing. She, she does have defense one. Well. All right, so another. Oh shit! This isn't going good. But you know what? I'm gonna spend a couple strain and aim because <laughs> right. I can. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna spend a story point too. Because damn it, Meredith is being taken away. Big All moment. Right. Big moment. We got. We've got one story Big point moment. for the players left and three in my side. Do you want to spend one as well? Oh, I, sure, why not? I would suggest you might because I'm using a headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> you want that chance for know. despair. All right, here we yep. go. So we have three yellow, two blue, two black, a red, and a purple. Uh, it's pretty even. Rare tree, yeah. yeah. It's a dice pool right there. Holy oh, the failure, Batman. <laughs> Holy failure, Batman. Okay, oh, no. so I, f- I have two failures... But, oh, I have to hit her, though. Damn it. Okay, two failures. (laughs) Two failures, but three, four advantage. Four advantage. All right. All right, so you fail, so the the tail of your costume gets in the way. (laughs) No, you know what? I'm I'm thinking thinking that... um, I'm thinking the tail. Yeah, I'm thinking my tail just trips her. I like do this, and we're just kind of tangled up. And as I go to leave away from her, it trips her, and she's prone. <laughs> All right, so she's prone too. All right, that works. Yeah, she's prone. why not? You know that tail. And she has a setback. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And there's all kinds of other props and stuff all around the, the <laughs> stage as well. If you ever ever think of other stuff to do. All right, well, so right. that the was your roll. Oh, did the Tin Man bolt? <laughs> The, the hatchet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he drop his axe? And is it a rubber axe? <laughs> it's probably paper mache. I'm just yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's plastic and cardboard with tin foil on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they might not know that if you brandish it right, you know. That's it. <laughs> That's true. Sell it with a deception check. Who knows? All right. So that it. that was Danny. And we have another PC slot. Um, I'm ready to go. Um I have a plan, I think. So I think uh, now that there is one of these rivals knocked prone, and they must be like engaged with me, I imagine. Uh, well, there's one that was engaged with Danny uh, Bay. She's prone. The one that was tr- on you. Uh, but we were both engaged. We're probably, with we're, we're probably right, right so, there. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. we're pretty much all I right there. I imagine we're all right there. What I'd mm-hmm. like to try is uh, – or I could do it to the one standing. That's fine, yeah. too. I could just do it Up to, to you. She's right there. And she's the one who attacked me, to be fair. I want to try a joint, joint submission. I want to try like just grabbing her ankle 
and wrapping my legs and going for like a knee bar, which uh, okay. would be fun. So that would just be like a joint submission attack. Uh, now I'm in the prone position attacking someone standing. Do I get a setback for that? Uh, when making a melee attack, yes, you do have a setback. I thought so. Uh, and now uh, a joint submission is an accurate three. These are hard to land. So I have a big fistful of setback dice. Wow. Uh, it also down. has prepare one. So I have to spend a maneuver just to, to have a, uh, an opening to do it. Okay. So, uh, so I have to do all of that. But then it's my bra grappling, which is two yellow and two green. And it's just against her uh, regular two purple uh, melee difficulty. Does she have any defense, though? Yes, she has one defense. So I have five <laughs> setback yeah. guys. So I'm going to go ahead Ouch. and spend two strain to aim this. Okay. Cool. Just to so throw there's a, a talent idea for you right there. If it's just an idea, ground specialist. Yeah. When you are prone, remove setback dice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> grappling special. You know, it's wrestlers uh, are always uh, on the ground. <laughs> I only had so much XP to spend here on this project. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna give it a try here. Big sure. fistful of dice, and I might use my second effort ability on this. Up, oh, I did, I lost the die. What did it land Oops. on? Double success. That's oh, pretty he's good. That player. Uh, he is that kind of player, but it's on the ground. Oh, it's I get a re-roll it. No. He's a special <laughs> guest. We'll give him allowance. Yeah, uh, two successes. Good. Dude, he's got, he, he's got five setback dice. Give him a two yeah. success. Yeah, you know what? This worked out pretty well, though. Uh, <laughs> if I'm doing this right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just ended up with three success, which means mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to trigger a lot, but um, I land the attack. So... Uh, it's exhausting one, so first let me suffer one more strain. My strain economy is, is going going through it like crazy. I do I do but, like that that you've that you've added the the exhausting quality to these. Weapons. Yeah, exhausting That's and cool. reach were like the two yeah. qualities. Yeah, That's pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, I just figured like I want to dissuade people from like spamming kicks or takedowns or mm-hmm. some of these like. Slightly higher powered attacks. It was another way to balance them. Right, right. Uh, cool. And and again, depending on what setting you're using, you might choose not to use that rule and take it off the weapons. Like if I'm doing a takedown character that's again fighting like cyborgs and uh, you know people with rocket launchers and machine guns, I might decide like that's an extra level of balance that works against the concept rather than for it. Right. Gotcha. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. It really it's going to depend on the setting. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, but for like unarmed people versus unarmed people, I think it works really well. Right. Uh, so do I want to re-roll any of these dice? I feel like I should, right? Might as well. Now that talent that you have, it, it lets you re-roll a certain number of dice or the whole any pool? two dice, and it's any the, two. No, oh, not, okay. Any, I get to pick any two from the the check and re-roll right. them if I want to. That's pretty cool. Um. You know what? I think I'm just not gonna. I think I'm okay with this. So. So I'm going to deal, uh, where is it? There it is. Two, three, four, five points of damage. Pierce five, so it's ignoring any soak. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to re-roll a die here. <laughs> All right. go. I got to re-roll one. Um, I'm going to re-roll this purple one, which came up with a double threat. Right. That and I'm going to re-roll this setback that came up with a single threat. Hopefully get some. I got a blank and a double threat. So I 
net gain and advantage out of that. Damn it, that wasn't enough to do anything. And and how much damage was it? Uh, It's still five points of damage, but it's pierce five as well, so it's Uh, ignore everything. But uh, unfortunately, I can't do any of the the more exciting effects with only one advantage. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll just pass a... uh, if I can, uh, uh, a setback to her. Do I need two advantage to do that? Uh, I'll just heal uh, a strain, maybe. It's up to you, yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's just one. I'll just heal a strain. Right. So, yeah, I, I deal five damage. And I definitely have, like, her knee bent in some crazy way or whatever, right? But Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah. wait, no, I'm wrong. One advantage, it's critical one. I can do a critical hit. That's what this yeah. thing's designed to do. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> oh that's shit! You're I, right. It is a there is a one right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole idea. Is that I was looking right at it. That much damage. It's only two, it's minus two of your brawn. So for a lot of people, these things will do zero damage, but they just do critical hits. So I rolled an eighty-seven. Legit. I don't have my. Oh, I've got the table here. Eighty-seven. Yeah. Hopefully, it's a win. Oh, compromise. Increase the difficulty of all skill checks by one. Yeah, yeah that sounds this good. is healed. Nice. That what the hell? Awesome. So I definitely, like, you heard some shit popping in her knees. Yeah, there's yeah. awesome. Oh, snap. <laughs> that's, that's exactly <laughs> what that's supposed to do. That's exactly what that's supposed to do. There we go. One difficulty. I knew go. I was missing something. Now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, <laughs> Also, G has <laughs> plus one difficulty on anything she tries. All right. So there we go. Now did you add the... your did you add your ten percent to it though? Because it is vicious one. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I didn't. Does it have? It has vicious one. Huh? Am I looking at the wrong thing? Isn't the takedown? Oh no, I wrote it in the wrong place. Nope. See, I'm a moron when I'm copying stuff. Joint, from one thing joint the submission, other. vicious one. Yeah, I rolled an eighty-seven, so I guess it's a ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. All right, crippled. I thought it would be crippled. One of the talking <laughs> no, things is. Sounds it's impaled, pop, pop. impaired until it's uh... <laughs> that. So that leg is toast. I pop that knee. So yeah. So oh, increases difficulty of all checks that require the use of that limb by one. So, so yeah. I definitely like the way this move works. Is like you grab your ankle and you throw your hips up. So your legs sort of wrap around one of their legs in a figure four, and right. you just start rolling. And and it's almost like an arm bar, but with the knee. And I just torqued on it until something that knee snapped and started <laughs> bending the wrong way. <laughs> So she won't dance again, probably. Nope. nope. <laughs> no, no prom for her. There you go. Nice. All right. All so right. Next up, I'll have... Okay, now we're to the three sisters. So one against Danny. She's got the setback. She'll she's prone. try her... Yep, she's prone. Don't get up. Don't get up. Stay down. <laughs> <laughs> well, she just she just uh, tells her uh, her three goons what to do, which will give them uh, an advantage on all combat checks until the uh, next turn. And then she uses one other maneuver to get up. <laughs> awesome! That, that'll be her action. Okay. That's all. That's all her action. So she gets two strain for that as well. There we go. So then we've got the broken limbed G. <laughs> Trying to flail away at the. <laughs> so, no, sure she's just so, so let me ask you. So, so, so let me ask you kind of a mechanics kind of question. So, technically, you succeeded at a grapple check, right? 
So you do have like an advantage. Would this be considered the adv- an advantage so, step? When you no, do like I, w- I would say I, I didn't exceed it like a grappling check to grapple, which is what would have been required to improve my position and oh, do okay. all that. Now that said, if I had a bunch of like advantage, I probably could have made a case to spend some to be yeah. like, can I be in an advantage- advantageous position or whatever? Gotcha. Uh, but no, instead I, I I put it into the crit right. But the what the the submit the joint submission specifically what it's designed to do is exactly what it actually did. I'm very pleased. It takes out a which joint. is <laughs> right. It's supposed to snap limbs and stuff like that, or at least put pressure on them. And there's actually like a sub mechanic on it where like let's say I only rolled a 13, I could have said like okay we're gonna hold that, and I could have banked that 13 and added plus 13 to the critical check next turn. Gotcha. Uh, so like there it's it's in there in the rules. Yep. It's a little and I think so maximum 130. So you wouldn't really be yeah. able to kill anybody with it, but you could right. mess them up big time. Right, right, right. <laughs> there, there's like there's some limits that that yep. like direct you toward crits that make sense for what you're trying to do, which uh, is usually snap bones and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, she's like now she's got her leg that's pretty much useless. So I increased her difficulty by one. It looks like an L going the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like uh. a lion. <laughs> No mess with Mr. Zepeda. I have a feeling uh, uh, both attendance and behavior is going to be great in my classes moving forward. <laughs> pretty sure. I did. And I'm pretty sure so, Danny won't be able to say no <laughs> to joining the team. So she's going to try and and get uh, Mr. Zepeda off of her, hitting her, uh, hitting her, him with a, a baton again. Okay. Spending a, a story point to uh, desperately get him away from her. Awesome. <laughs> sure. So we've got three yellow, one green, and three purple. I have no defense or anything like that. All right. And did you want to spend a story point to upgrade our difficulty? Uh, no, I, I think I think I'm okay. I've soaked four, so I'm All right. still Let's go for it then. All right, so we've got quite a bit of threat. Let's hang out without those advantages. And so we've got basically one success and one threat. Okay. Out of all of that, that uh, how much out. damage is it then? So that would be five damage. Yeah, I'll take one. Whoa, all right. Ahead. And like five. I said, one and one threat. Say like she overextends herself and at least a strain. Okay. Cool. You know, and the arrival so translates to a wound, and then the lady on uh, on Hemlock Jones. Um. Was she prone? Or, uh, she knocked. She threw oh, me on the ground. Ripped my shirt off. She threw you, right? So she's gloating right. there, on uh, top of him, <laughs> straddling yeah. him. Oh wait a second! Yeah. It's a different game. Right? <laughs> That's there. It's totally different. Totally different. <laughs> you may have ready, got my shirt. <laughs> you may have got my shirt, and your minions may have beat me before, but I'm gonna chuck you out that door. <laughs> no. <laughs> There wow. we go. Another talent there for you, Keith. Bad <laughs> rhyming. <laughs> this, only fits little... in a, this only fits in a 70s kung fu movie. Sure. Right? You know it does. Yeah. So she will try sure and, uh, and try to get her oh, uh, baton to maybe throw uh, throw him like Jones to the ground. I had watched that recently. It was oh. out, they call me Bruce, right? Show enough. Show enough. <laughs> I love this. The last, the last dragon. The last whatever. dragon. That's what it was. Bruce yep. Leroy. Yep. We've got Bruce three, Leroy. three yellow, 
Three yellow, two purple. Do you want to upgrade? You've got three story points on your side. Uh, no, actually, I'm I'm good. I have yet okay. to act, so. All right. So we'll just go. <laughs> oh, lots of threat again. Cancels out the advantages. So there we go. She's distracted. And but she does get a, a couple of successes. That's three okay. and three. One success, one advantage. Okay. So she managed to hit for five damage. All right, I'll soak three of that, taking two more. All right, and with advantage, she does disorient you again. Oh, wait, I'll soak my gi was gone. Oh, they didn't okay. have any defense. Never mind, no. I'm good. All right. Then a PC slot at the very end of the but combat. You have that oiled chest, right. though. That's got to give you Yeah, <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I just told her I was going to chuck her out that door. Yeah. But I'm going to – I'm prone. I'm going to use my maneuver to right. – to rise up quick, I'm going to kip up. There you oh. go. And in, in doing so, um, I'm going to use my fancy footwork talent. Awesome. All right. Which uh, allows me to uh, t- spend two strain and do a maneuver. So that's actually four strain because it's my second maneuver. Right. Oh. Um, okay. So I'll spend the four strain to do that, but it's going to give me an automatic success and an automatic uh, advantage on this attack. Now, I'm standing right. considerably taller than her. I have fighting tall. Okay. So, so I'm kind of up on the balls of my feet with my fancy footwork making me a little taller. Oh, so I'm okay. going to add nice. a boost die in also. Liking it. Liking it. So right now, my my striking check, I am going to knock her out that door. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, with just what a is- sta- standard unarmed strike, although, I, man, maybe I should. Should do the elbow because the elbow does, seems cool. I think I'll does, throw an elbow. Okay, she yeah, does have go. adversary one. I forgot the adversary last time. Okay, do so all of them adversary. or just her? No, they all they're all three of them. But well, mm. how's come I'm oh. getting penalized? Nobody else did. I'm just kidding because <laughs> <laughs> he just remembered. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Uh, so right now I have a and, and one defense. So brawl striking of three yellow. I have uh, three black dice. Uh, one from, or one goes away because I'm no longer prone. So, um, one from being disoriented still. Mm-hmm. Um, one from her defense. One from her defense, and I have a boost die yep. uh, from fighting tall. Yep. Um, nice. I think that includes encounter. Yeah, that's everything. Uh, let me get to my. Make sure I have my. Uh, martial arts attack here ready to go because it's I, I didn't look up the elbow I didn't write it down I added it last oh. minute alright so there it is okay I got it alright go for it knock her out alright so the red die came up blank um, my purple die is cancelled <laughs> out by the boost die my two setback dice are cancelled out by one of my yellow dice that leaves me with two successes two triumphs Oh, oh my oh, goodness. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Somebody's going to right, no. So, <laughs> so what's the base damage with the success? All right, so it's minus one. So that's actually going to be uh, just one damage. <laughs> Elbow's not very damaging that way. No. Uh, but. That's okay. <laughs> but. Well, she's got um, soak. So, anyway. Oh. Uh, she's still, got soak. But still, you've got... Two, uh, two triumphs. Two triumphs. You know, it's although it's a knockdown. Does the elbow I, have pierce? It does. It has pierce, so it's actually yeah, pierce one more. Um, 
I didn't do any damage though. But I, I'm just going to throw her out that door. She's going to go flying out that door nice. with one of those triumphs. All right. So there you go. She she flies off, slides on the puddle of water that old man Pearson was whopping the floor with. <laughs> <laughs> Takes Slide? off in, <laughs> into the, the soapy water. Yeah, oh, the soapy gross. water into, into the parking lot in the back. <laughs> and for my other triumph... I, I was engaged with a minion group. If you don't mind, yep. on on the backswing with that elbow, I'm just going to take out a minion. Sure. There he is. <laughs> nice. <laughs> standing cool right. and standing tall. Right? Nice. Is there anybody yeah. else to go in that well, round? Or? So, so yeah. while you flipped her, you know, her high heel clipped one of the uh, her minions <laughs> and oh just slid God. off. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nice. Death by high heel, by yeah. stiletto. <laughs> So that was the end of out of his eye. (laughs) So that was the end of the second round. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. But we're running out of time. Yeah, we can stop stop it there. Mm -hmm. So what you do normally, if you wanted to do this, we haven't. We have some story points on our side. Maybe we would, as players, spend them all to adjudicate how we win this fight. That's it. There, there you go. We got three points. So one, one on each. (laughs) One for each player. Nice, Keith. Keith, I, I mean, guess. clearly, I would spend mine to uh, make this this poor woman with a broken knee uh, surrender. She's clearly done. There's not much you could do. All I have to do is get up and take three steps away, and she's done. She can't really fight me anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, and she passes out from the pain. <laughs> I imagine. I would imagine. Uh, but of course, uh, what I'd really want my story points to do is get Danny to join the wrestling team because. I think he's got a bright future, and uh, he's a good kid if we get him out of that really weird lion outfit. <laughs> I like the lion outfit. <laughs> well, so what Danny does, he's like, he, he, he spins around, and mm-hmm. the tail just gets, in the, just gets in the face of the one that he was fighting, right? And he yeah. just heads on over and saves Meredith. Um, just basically doing a crane hook because you know Danny, right? How I wouldn't yeah. do a crane. Um, <laughs> just takes her down and um tries to do the same maneuver that he might have, but you know he just takes her down with the crane maneuver and says, "There we go." That good enough, <laughs> Coach? Had <laughs> a boy, co- Danny, and, and calls him Coach. <laughs> you even had you even had help from the. Uh... The, the, the Tin Man <laughs> tripping nice. her up there in the back. <laughs> nice. And uh, Hemlock uh, will uh, spend his uh, tr- uh, story point to finish off the last two goons. That's the two that beat yeah. him up outside the Mushu Palace in the alley. Right. And <laughs> and he is at the end of it all. He's standing over their groaning bodies, and they're just laying there, in barely conscious. He's like, "That's for the Mushu Palace, boys." <laughs> Yeah, one one of them has their, his head in the, uh, the janitor's bucket. The other one just head through head through a uh, piece of the scenery. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, of course, GM, you'd like to spend your story point for a complication for future. Uh, yeah, the uh, the one who was holding Meredith, she manages to escape. This is not the end. My my lady will have revenge upon you. Oh, she does get away from me. Nice. Oh, bummer! Awesome. Nice, nice. So yeah, so yeah, when some of have... the other students panic and you know they they, they, they things up. So uh, 
Lady, uh, yeah, what was her name again? That the uh, Lady Zenya will awesome. eventually uh, get her revenge. That's right. <laughs> Which would probably be on when we have Keith on the next time to talk about Ready Fight yeah. Two, right? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Ready your fight. Ready your fight. Ready. Round two fight. That's the way you guys got it like Mortal Kombat. Round two fight. Round two. There you go. That's what you would call it. Round two. Or or finish him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually do plan on releasing a a series of micro products, little uh, NPCs to go with ready fight uh, that are sort of ready to use. And uh, those should be coming out within the next month or two. They'll have like the NPC, a talent and a piece of equipment for like a buck. Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, well, guys, let's head on out of here. All right. Let's do it. All right, everybody. That's our show for tonight. Um, I want to give a shout out to all the podcasts and blogs on our on the Nerds International Network. Um the Wild Die, the Brewery, uh, the Murder Hobo Show, the Three T R P G Podcast, Imaginary Ramblings Podcast, Thoughts of a Barbarian, Role Players Imaginarium, and of course, Stefan, your Dragon's Toolbox. Um, yeah. You're gonna be seeing all these chuckleheads at Con Cup next week. Shout yes. out to Andy Hop who uh, helps yes. run the show over there. He's oh, the man. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. does a lot of good work there. Mm-hmm. Very inclusive uh, mm-hmm. as well. Lots of different events, not just uh, one particular role-playing game. He's, he's got games you can borrow to learn, you know, tabletop games, card yeah. games. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, hey, yeah. Have you ever and been nine, to that con, Keith? Uh, I have not, but I know Andy a little bit. I've interviewed him once, and he's run uh, uh, his game, his uh, uh, oh, little he, odd, like, Muppets oh, yeah. on Crack. Fraggle Rock, Fraggle yeah, Crack, low life. Yeah, yeah low, low life. life is great stuff, man. Like Andy's a really gifted writer and artist and performer oh, yeah. too. I would say, like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. what a great GM if you get a chance to get in a game with him. Yeah, he uh, is Danny DeVito's twice yeah. charismatic, <laughs> charismatic brother. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> he is <laughs> the crazy one. Yeah. He, he's great. Yeah, uh, so, I love Andy. Yeah. He's, he's helped me out on other stuff too in the past. Like oh, when I was cool. running a Patreon, he was like a guest GM for my my paid players and all that stuff so he's he's really good people in my book yeah cool very nice so yeah so that's uh october the third to the eighth inclusively so uh nine days time uh, from this recording yep so we'll be hopefully some of you are listening uh, some of some of our tens of listeners might be uh, <laughs> showing up in the area. Right. Yeah, you can show up and say hi. I know Tony has a has a space or two and a couple of his games he's running. I might as yeah. well, but come I'm by and say too. hi to us. Yep. There. It'd be great to meet you. And what else is there? Uh, NIFCON 3. Yes. That's right. That's a Nerds International Virtual Convention where we get on various different uh, uh, tabletop uh, virtual, virtual tabletops, tabletop, yeah. whether it's tabletop simulator, fantasy grounds, roll twenty, or just using Discord dice roller bots, yeah. uh, and uh, you can get on there. I know Jamie Pearson's going to be running some Legion dem uh, games uh, on tabletop simulator. Uh, I'm actually running a game on the tenth. It's this is November eighth through the eleventh. That's uh, Veterans Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, on the tenth at uh, seven p.m., I'm going to be running Kung Fu Panda Genesis. The noodle cure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. That is awesome. 
Skadoosh. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. So uh, you can uh, reach out to us uh, via email. Tell us how we did today. Tell us whether you like the uh, new segment here, um, whether we do it ever again. Uh, <laughs> <contact> <laughs> or whether Keith ruined it. Oh, uh, man. Remember? No. <laughs> My if anyone fault. wants to be subject to this. <laughs> So that email address is findingthenarrativepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me and Stefan, Finding the Narrative, over on mm-hmm. Facebook. We're over there pretty often. Uh, Nerds International and Finding the Narrative are both on MeWe. And uh, Stefan is diligently watching our Twitter feed at FTN underscore Genesis. Yep. And uh, you can catch us, uh, well, where you've been listening to us. Tell your friends. We're on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, and more. Thanks for joining us, Keith. Oh, Thank my you. pleasure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. You got anything yeah. you want to plug? Oh, my God, you guys. I have so much stuff. I'm, I think we're going to make it to your longest episode ever if I get to go through this whole list. Awesome. Uh, All right. I you think got 45 minutes. Right. No, actually, actually, no, we've been – yeah, yeah. I think we're pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Definitely. So most importantly, there was a new thing announced literally today, maybe yesterday if this goes up later. You're listening later. But mm-hmm. – uh, the Genesis Foundry Spotlight uh, that Fantasy Flight Games has started, which is a way to recognize uh, 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 some Foundry products and give them some uh, free marketing. So if you were interested in Ready Fight, if you want to learn more and make FFG show you more, or if you just think the product's deserving of a little more attention, uh, you can uh, uh, go to the article at fantasyflightgames.com. There's an email address there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just put Ready Fight in the subject line and tell them why you want to why you think it deserves a spotlight, I'd really appreciate a vote for that. Uh, you could also check out Ready Fight on the Genesis Foundry. It's just ready, four dots, fight, exclamation point. Uh, and then if uh, we mentioned the Adventure Writing Academy, you could learn more about that at www.adventurewritingacademy.com, all one word. Uh, and then you can find me on Twitter at, at krkappel, K-A-P-P-E-L, and uh, facebook.com slash keith.capel. That's where I'm most active. So thanks so much for listening. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thanks right. a lot well, for being on. Oh, my, I love being on, guys. Thanks awesome. so much for having me. Cool. All right. Well, this is Tony saying keep rolling them bones. And this is Steven saying don't forget to ask for those boost eyes. <laughs> and this is Chris saying, Rawr! no, um, remember the rule of cool. <laughs> Just have fun, everybody. (laughs) Good night. All right. Good night. Yep. Good night. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.